everybody, and welcome, welcome to episode 296 of Vigigame Apocalypse, our Ooh. final show of 2018. Fuck this year, by the way. Our Game of the Year show, where we count down our 10 favorite games of the year and nothing else. It's time for Vigigame Game Apocalypse's Games of the Year. Let's count down the top 10, let's count down the top 10. What the hell? Okay, <laughs> I'm just pissed off that they couldn't get him to be a bass. Okay, you can't sing that yeah. song unless you're a bass or a That's deep true. baritone. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> no, I think it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Grim Grinigos, come out to socialize. I am your host, Michael Raparas. Who else is here in the Tyler Wilde Memorial Studio of the Airwaves with us? Ah, Jesus. Uh, worthless loot box, Chris Antista. <laughs> and... New VGA co-host of the year, Matthew Allen. Sure. And the first of several special guests, it's... Cool Bowling, it's <laughs> Brett. Ah, that's your legacy. That's what you're that's known all for. all I've got. <laughs> I tried to do it in the Cool Borders. Uh, cool Borders. <laughs> uh, Whatever. So, someone's playing his PS Classic. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I was nice. like, or, I can do the, or I can do the 1080 snowboarding. Work your body, we'll work your body. No? All right. Mm-hmm. Sure. If Maybe only there was an episode like of VGA about game music where you guys could have paid attention. If only. You put out a VG Empire pretty recently, didn't you? Uh, we did a few. Uh, we did a full Rocktober, five episodes, um, yeah. VGEmpire.com, the game music podcast. Um, all of the de- dedicated to Genesis music that's actually very good, because mm-hmm. we definitely would uh, give... To give some grief to the Genesis for when it's misused, it's pretty grating. But yeah. I kept finding these amazing, really uh, you know niche soundtracks. It's like I, all right, I got to do this. Um, and then we did a Fallout episode in November based on Fallout One and Two only. That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking of. Yeah, Fallout One and Two. Had you had you ever played Fallout One and Two before? Didn't no. It? Wow. But one of my coworkers, Patrick, uh, he loves those games, so he researched it all and got you know was able to host that episode. So he knew what was up. No, Danny Kane. No Danny Kane, no deal. I'm just saying, that fallout music. The man's been dead oh. for years. Come on. <laughs> oh, it's very oh, nice to be on your yeah. podcast, son. I made all the music for Fallout. That's Bing Crosby. <laughs> My yeah. bad. He's the only old guy I can do. <laughs> He's the only old person Chris knows. Yeah. Uh, fallout uh, needs more dynamite, girl lives. And, and Chris, I, I don't know what your recording setup is, but my mental image is you in like a Hawaiian tee and shorts and you're at a card table in a drained pool <laughs> no 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 you, you mean the skate park no 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 in I'm like sitting... a backyard or something like a drained I'm out like here. hole in the ground or something no no no, no? i'm sitting I, no i'm sitting here with an open hawaiian shirt okay uh sitting sitting around a pool of red bull and meth bags okay oh, okay <laughs> see i was i was envisioning like a 1930s tiki bar like maybe sitting in front of a wooden mixer and uh, that sounds really fucking know, classy actually palm tree computer yeah. <laughs> very LA. It's like, how's it running all these coconuts? I don't understand. <laughs> totally different part of Florida, boys. You guys are thinking, you're going way yeah. south. Are you confusing Gilligan's Island with Florida? <laughs> <laughs> My palm tree can uh, transmit uh, up to 40 mega coconuts per second. You guys are thinking the tip of the dick. He's much more near like the base of the stalk. Right, you know yeah. I mean? he's, right. He's, well, what's politely called the panhandle. <laughs> yes. And should be called okay. the taint. It's the taint. Yeah. <laughs> Not the taint, but like if 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 a, if your dick was an elephant and he was wearing a hat, hmm. I'm the hat. <laughs> <Not right. laughs> 
Uh, I want to leave. You should put that on business cards. <laughs> what do you do for a living? Well, if your dick was an elephant. Yeah. Well, he also appears on a show that is nominally sometimes about video games, which True. we are. 2018 uh, has actually been a great year for video games in general. Surprisingly a great year for like AAA open world games particularly. Yeah. Uh, tons of those on our list and a bunch of indies. We're, we're going to be talking about uh, things that we voted on. We're going to be talking about personal favorites. And bear in mind that this list is me, Matt, and Chris basically just putting our heads together and saying, what did we play this year? What's good? What do we want to recommend? It is not comprehensive. It is super subjective. There will be games on here that you will not find on anyone else's top 10 lists, but they are our top 10 and we hope that you enjoy them as much as we did. I feel like I heard this story for the 20 best games of all time Mm -hmm. and this garbage Frankenstein list that we ended up with that no one's happy with. (laughs) But it has DuckTales. Chris is happy with it. It was worth worth kicking a Suikin and 2 off for DuckTales. I still... still, Uh, I'll bring that up later. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's not waste any more time and jump into our games of the year, according to us, right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. We don't do a comic show anymore, and I don't work for a major corporation, so I don't, I cannot get back into the single issue business it's mm. tough right i mean especially now you know you're talking three bucks to five bucks an issue they used to have like 20 books on the pool list yeah it mm-hmm. w- went from something i feel like any kid could get into to like really like the price is pretty steep like it's the mm. biggest gate in entertainment right now like 10 minutes of fun for five I, bucks i think right. they realize that a lot of us who grew up with them and really fell in love with the superhero stories mm-hmm. in that era they realized that now we're older and we have a little bit more disposable income, so they're taking advantage of the market. Where's, where are they going to get the new? The new. Where, gonna, I don't want to spoil anything, but we're going to die. What the? Uh, no. Probably, what? probably pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, with, with that podcaster <laughs> health insurance, right? Uh, so <laughs> yeah. So you might want to start replacing the fans at some point. And you got an 11 year old kid right now who would love to read more comics, but sure. probably can't afford like a, a wine club fee on every week right. for comics. Well, no, yeah. If yeah. I if I bought the same amount of comics now that I did then, mm-hmm. I would be spending close to $100 a week. Yeah, yeah. And picking up comics for 25 cents that are like yeah. a year old. like that's. I mean, you can pick up like 50 cent issues if you're lucky or buck yeah. issues, but they're just in whatever is in the dress. 50 cent had a comic? No, no, no. This no. game yeah. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this game. I, he may have. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday starting for just $5 on Patreon.com Slash laser time. Number ten. What is this? First, let's let's hear from our special guests. First, it's friend of the show, Leif Johnson. Joining us from Macworld. Yes. And appearing on VGA for not the first time ever, but the first time in probably hundreds of episodes. It's your wife. 
<laughs> Why did that sound like you need to do the dishes? <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, your wife. Yeah, that's, look, that's how I did it the first time I was on the show, like that's when true, it was in yeah. single digits, I think. Oh. So I, she, that's, that's my title. I'm your is wife. Diana tapping her foot and holding a rolling pin? <laughs> she is. Her hair is in curlers. <laughs> Dirty 2010's Diana Goodman? Hello! But yes, this this game is Donut County. It's one we've all played, yes. and we've Even all loved. Me. <laughs> and yes. I suck at games. And what I think one of the reasons we've all played it is it's in so many places. Like I played yes. it only on my mobile. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And me it, too. But it's also on like consoles and stuff. It's also on PC. It's also on PS4. And the surprise is that the PS4 version and the mobile version are almost identical. Right. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Which, yeah, Which it, speaks it, more to the power of the mobile version than to... Yeah, it strikes me yeah. as a mobile game. It, it's really particularly suited for that. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's... Can I, can I say what it is? It's a... It's, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a game about, you know, you, you have a hole and you're dragging it around the screen and you're basically swallowing up everything on the screen. And that is very well suited to a... Uh, you know, an iPhone, an Android phone, or something. Yeah, touch yeah. controls. You drag a hole around. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, a big deal. Probably Honestly, better. I think it'd be kind of bored on a console, but yeah, it was, it's it's really fun on a on a mobile game. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah and I, I call it the spiritual successor to Katamari. Down. Thank yes. you, yeah. yes. thank you. Yep. That's exactly no what this is. You're reverse Katamariing everything. Right. Yeah. Yes. No, no offense to to Katamari, but it was never as good as the, as the first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was never as charming. And I, I, we we were talking about that on thirty twenty ten. I'm not saying. Ladies don't play games, just no ladies my age. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot. Like growing up, boys played games and girls didn't. So I've been dating a lot, and Donut County has been one of the things I can throw on and has like universal appeal to women up to forty-four years old. <laughs> it's it's really fantastic. I mean, it, it's it's like totally easy concept to understand, right? It's like there's no buttons involved. Like we said, it's yep. pretty much drag a hole around. Things fall into the hole. So even non-gamers uh, totally congrats. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. addictive. It's immediately charming. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. And Music's amazing. It's not just that things fall into the hole, but the more things fall into the hole, the bigger the hole gets. So yes. you need to swallow smaller things in order to eventually yes. be able to swallow buildings. Or in one case, a bunch of rabbits. So that noise is every every time you swallow rabbits, they breed inside the course, hole yeah. and make the hole bigger. And so you get a bunch of them in there. They all breed like crazy, and then all of a sudden, it's like a volcano of rabbits <laughs> just shoots up into the sky and demolishes a nearby house, <laughs> making it easier to swallow up into your hole because now it's in pieces. Yeah, they had mm-hmm. it coming. <laughs> yeah. And it's like one of the reasons it's on here, let's be honest, is because it feels like it could have been written about our former mascot, the Video Game Apocalypse <laughs> Raccoon. Because hey. it's about a bunch of raccoons who just, they want to collect trash from people. Yes. And uh, if that trash just happens to include everything those people own, like, what's the problem? It, it has this weird subplot of like, they yes. they create like this weird apocalypse because they've right. swallowed up an entire city. Mm. And there's this weird like subculture of. I mean, the game starts with you text messaging back and forth with a raccoon, and, and uh, you heard all those sounds, the duck noises. Yeah. Like, I love the duck emoji. Uh, <laughs> just, And I love the fact that so I played this on mobile, so I got that as a sticker. And now I can I can send that on, uh, you know, when I text message someone, <laughs> yeah. just sending them the exactly. duck emoji. Right. 
Yeah. Oh, it's so perfect. It doesn't make the noise, though, which is a little... Yeah. Well, I mean, I do in my head, so that's oh, totally yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, no, I I do like the, the raccoon that you're playing as or against or with or whatever. It's just a regular <laughs> raccoon, even though everywhere else is filled with anthropomorphic animals. Yes. But you're just a regular old trap that's, panda. That's a good yes. point. I never mm-hmm. talked about that. I don't know yes. about the anti-immigrant stance of, like, ever since the raccoons came <laughs> right? here, they've been destroying our town. I, I love that, that there's that weird thing of, like, they're doing it by every time you order a donut. That's uh-huh. like the thing yes. that they will come in. Yeah, and they, they will deliver a hole that will swallow up all your possessions and you. That's the donut. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, and he's getting up points so he can get something. Yeah. Which so is... that, that's the thing. BK is not just an ordinary raccoon. He is the manager of a donut shop. Yes. And uh, he's, yeah, he's almost level 10. When you get to level 10, you get what? A quadcopter. Quadcopter drum. <laughs> And grappling hooks if you're a raccoon cop. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like Sly Cooper is really pissed off. This right. game came out and he just missed the window. Yeah. It's like not only. Are they... I like to think his, his name is short for Burger King. I really do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Hope his name is Burger King. And it... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, and, and I like this is all takes place in a stylized version of California. Uh, this town yeah. is like, you know, out in the Central Valley or something, but eventually they wind up in a version of L.A., and that's where you have a boss fight, believe it or not, using the hole. So It's yeah. very true. Yeah. There, there's definitely like a Malibu level or two. It's like cliffs surrounding the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the rabbit thing. So, yeah, one of the things we should talk about, if it hasn't become apparent already, this game has an insane sense of humor. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and a lot of even that, that manifests in the gameplay like a lot of the there's like some levels have like sort of puzzles to solve yes. with things yeah. and and all those puzzles are sort of joke related you know like mm. there's the, the soup level is the one I'm specifically thinking uh, of yes. yeah, yeah, where it's like you have to do something very specific with soup and I, w- I won't spoil it for you but it's it's sort of a joke yeah. and a commentary on like how terrible this soup is and they all comment like everyone that gets sucked into the hole is just like yeah I would never eat at your restaurant it's, mm-hmm. it's horrendous and you have you have to try very hard to keep the cockroaches out of the sea. Yeah, number one, but yes. that's not the puzzle. Yeah. And no. see, that's the thing is the is the raccoon immediate. You know, at the beginning, is talking about what a great thing he's done for everybody because <laughs> he's wiped all this stuff off the face of the earth. Yeah. So, is, uh, yeah, and eventually, like you're you you can upgrade your hole with like uh, a catapult. So the things yeah. that you last thing that you sucked up into the hole, you can launch back up into the air. Uh, it comes in handy for like flipping switches or knocking things over. Just throwing a chicken for fun. Yeah, yeah. there's a little yeah. bit of that too. You can there's sometimes you'll suck in fire and then set stuff on fire with your hole. Mm-hmm. Okay, that got a little disturbing. <laughs> just, well, I mean, just saying that out loud, uh, I realize how disturbing that just sounds. Okay, because there is you you set fire to a dude's trailer that you just saw him in. Yes, and we never see him leave. I mean, you're also making people plummet a thousand feet down into the ground. Yeah, yes, they, they're okay. <laughs> they asked for a donut. They had a cup. Of- <laughs> I don't know. This, this feels very much like school project game uh, that just kind of got manifested into a, a full-fledged game. And it's one of those where it's like, I'm going to keep an eye on the creators now. Like, whatever they yes. do next yeah, yeah. is going to be amazing. No, I, I played it at Day of the Devs like three, four years ago. Oh, wow. And it's it's been it's been in the in the process of being made for a while. I'm guessing by like a very small team, if not a solo team. Yeah. Well, it's it's led by Ben Esposito, who actually created a game that we talked about a couple weeks ago on here, Tattletale. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, a similar sense of humor pervades both games. But mm-hmm. uh, 
It's just as fun to play work. for the story as it is for the game. It all kind of intertwines, mm-hmm. and that that is the real charm of this game. It's not yeah. you know just that you're dragging around a hole, a hole and stuff like that. It's it, it all comes together to make this really awesome package. Everything about this game is so charming. The, the yeah. only complaint I have about the game, mm-hmm. uh, and this is always a great complaint to have about a game, it's too short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it I want is. more of it. Totally. That's the only thing I have to say. You like, can replay the levels, but man, yeah. yeah. I gave a copy to my sister because she's a huge Katamari fan, and then like within hours, she's like, "What was?" that it's already over yeah. why yeah. <laughs> dlc See, I, I only play one level per uh uh per one failed date mm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> i'm not done yet i'm noticing a pattern here now <laughs> oh, either the dates are failed because you're playing donut county or because you're only playing one level of donut county Thank you for taking all the blame off me. I appreciate it. And I do exactly. as my therapist. We all know the only game that causes breakups with Chris is Donkey Kong Country. Oh, wow. Put that on the wiki. <laughs> and it's just because of how he accentuates that second to last syllable. <laughs> wow. Wow. Who doesn't like Donkey Kong Country? I mean, in fact, when he was typing us about Donut County, he, he did the exact same joke, Michael. <laughs> I know. Yes. Not. Can't prove that. What? Don't screenshot anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Donut County, fantastic. Uh, you should all run out and get it. It's cheap. Uh, I think a couple days before this, it was on sale on Steam, so I guess you missed your opportunity. But but if, sure if you're cheap like me, cheap. still on iOS, I think yeah. full price, it might be $5, and then they, they have a ton of sales where it's like a dollar. Yeah. Like, seriously. Ow. Yeah. But yeah. even, like even at full bucks. price, you know what? Don't wait for the sale. Please make sure you pay the creators like they deserve the money for this thing and, and at full price on your mobile device like just do it um, I, don't, I know you're yeah, all like yeah, it, mobile games so, no this, that's really the best way to play this game no and, and I will say if you have kids buy um, full price and tell them we influenced you <laughs> there you go that's right <laughs> Stan Lee was that you yeah. <laughs> Look, if you hate mobile games, you can still pay fourteen ninety nine for the the full sized console version. Just it's an identical experience. Yes, yes, yes. yes. and and I, I was going to say though, if you have kids, it is a very good game for kids. Like they love it. They they just mm-hmm. you know because it's easy. The controls are super simple. They get it right away, and it's super cute and fun. Yeah. Let's awesome. move on to number nine. What is that sound, Leif? That is the sound that you find when you're solving a murder in the return of Ober, the Oberdin. Yes. Right? yes. The return of the Oberdin. You have a magic pocket watch. Yes. You are scouring the deck of an abandoned ship for corpses trying to solve murders, which you do by pointing the watch at them and rewinding time. But the, the opening of the game gives very little hint about what's going to happen. Company man woke me up. Said you'd need ferry to the Old Not many eager for that job. Seems a bit late if you ask. I didn't. <laughs> What's in the box? I don't know. Hoist it up in a few minutes. Hey! Ow! Carefully. That was actually a little bit of a shock playing for me the first time. That you're you're playing as a woman, uh, not because like, oh, you're playing as a girl, but because this is an 18th century insurance adjustment adventure. Yes. You are yes. going on a, a boat. Yeah, in the 18th century that is, has drifted back to port, uh, you are 
1807. 1807. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, okay, so 19th century. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it disappeared in the 18th century. Yes. So, yes. But yeah, it's it's just rare to see a woman in that role in that era. And it's, it's kind of awesome. But really, that's the only uh, glimmering you get as to who or what your character is. Because you will spend the rest of the game traveling around in first person in what looks like an ancient, like, 1980s era Mac game. Yes. Um, or, or Commodore. You can, you can switch it. Yeah, filter that's on true. There. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Early monochrome, Apple. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's it's always that, yeah, I think you compared it to, like, a Wall Street Journal. It looks uh, like a stipple painting yeah. comes That's come a good to way life. to put it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, leave it up to Lucas Pope, by the way. The man who made paperwork and being a border agent fun mm-hmm. has now made being an insurance adjuster a very, very fun game. Well, it, it kind of helps that, yeah, you have this magic pocket watch again, and your job is to wander around the ship looking for bodies. When you find one, you can rewind time to the exact moment of their death and hear the last few seconds of this person's life. Captain! Open the door! Kick it in. Ah! Let's me break it down and take more than those shells! You bastards may take exactly what I give you! And so you get to, yeah, after hearing this uh, with a black screen, it, everything just springs to life, and you're looking at the captain shooting the first mate in the face, and it's just frozen in time. You can wander around in, in 3D and, and try to look at every detail, try to figure out what it is that happened before time runs out. And I just want to say how beautiful all of that was framed. No, mm-hmm. matter, no matter what scene you were looking at, it was always a very... You know, it was almost like Renaissance in its beauty and the way everything yes. was arranged and yeah. stuff. And I, so, I think the rousing soundtrack you started to hear there plays a big part in that. Yes. Know, it's always like you just hear the voice acting. And then, like you said, Michael, it's the, the only freeze frame you get is the exact moment of death. And the screen is like, yeah, frozen in time. But you get this like rousing, almost like collegiate soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like it does make you you put on your thinking cap when you hear that music. Yeah, you know, I yeah. told you, I was like, man, this should have been nominated for more like music game of the year music. It uh, should categories, have been. You know? And I'm, I'm just playing sounds from the beginning of the game because I don't want to spoil too much, but I will say what begins as a fairly mundane story of mutiny and murder quickly becomes fucking insane. Very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yes. yes. Yeah. It's, it's like the second or no, it's like the fourth death total or something. It's, yes. It's, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's also um, when you discover that it's like, oh, I can find other people who've died in these memories walk up to their bodies and trigger right. the next memory and see what happened like seconds before There's, this. there's like Inception in this game, yes, yes, where you can just go through layers of memories to the point where you're like, where, where did I start again? Mm-hmm. See, and, and the way that works is there's only like, I would say, maybe six bodies on the actual boat, but... Uh, one memory leads to another and you can find other people in the memories and eventually it's 60 total people yeah, that you're right. trying to account for. Yeah. And you have to figure out like, okay, who was this person? What was their fate? Did they escape to safety or did they die? And then like you get to a point where the game doesn't always tell you exactly who's who. So you kind of have to guess based on like other memories that you've seen this person in. Yeah. And, and they use some really minimalist UI to tell you certain mm-hmm. things. Like if they're harder to deduce who they are, they have like three triangles above their head and mm-hmm. then the easier ones are one. It has this really clever thing where if their face is clear in a, in a portrait in the game, that means theoretically you can guess their identity. Like you've been given enough info to guess yes. their identity. Each chapter, cause there's several kind of story chapters in this, this book, what you heard there where, um, by the way, that dude, 
he he complains that it's too heavy to lift up that that parcel to the yes. ship. All that's mm-hmm. in it is your watch and a book. Like what yep. the hell, dude? <laughs> it's too heavy. Yes. Too heavy. Yeah. Anyway, but in in that book, there's chapters, and the beginning of each chapter shows. Okay, this is how many. I believe the the crosses are. This is how many deaths there are, and then the single crosses are like that's a disappearance, or they might be alive. Like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of left unknown to you. Yeah, I love that. So you you have to guess, make educated guesses about who was this person, what was their fate. When you get three right, then it it triggers a thing and mm-hmm. tells you, and and it fills in this lovely little uh, graph that yes, connects all these threads of fate yes. to a skull. Yeah. And uh, and then you get this. This wonderful music every time uh, an event becomes somewhat clear. Just opening the book and uh, seeing it fill itself out. Oh, man. Now, this is an important point I want to make, because when I was first looking at stuff about this game, when the first reviews were coming out and stuff, I saw that old art style, and I thought playing it was going to be something like Oregon Trail or something like that. Mm -hmm. I thought it was even going to go to the music. No, the music is amazing, and don't judge it by the screenshots. Like, look, you you can actually move around. You know, it's very much a three, like, you'll go into the ship, and you'll you'll, you'll open a door, and you'll see, like, shoes dangling from the ceiling and they're, ah, yeah. they're swinging with the sways of the waves mm-hmm. and the voice acting is is amazing um that that's you know because like uh like he was saying is that you only have those couple of seconds to hear the moment before they died but then you hear this you know that's a lie and you know There's, it's really good and actually you have to hear that yes. some of them it's really important to hear that those voices in that audio mm-hmm. though because some of the hints for how you solve some of these deaths are in there. So, for example, and this won't spoil anything specifically, but, like, you have to listen for particular accents mm-hmm. and then identify, yes. like, ah, that is, that person is no doubt from this country. Yeah. And then you go through the ship's log of, okay, here's, here's the entire crew. Ah, he's the only one from this country or something like this, mm-hmm. right, where it's very important to hear all yeah. that stuff. And and what I've heard uh, read about this game, and it's so true, um, Oberdin always provides you just enough information to solve every mystery. It yes. doesn't throw too much info at you. It doesn't make you guess. Like there's there's very few times where you should actually be guessing. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's very yeah. much like Michael said it's an educated guess because it's like, well, no, all of the clues are pointing to this. It's deduction. Um, yeah, all of all of the clues are there even though there are times you will get stuck and and just say to yourself like, I think I found everything. I've seen everything there is to see, and then you'll just you'll just kind of start reading back through the book and you'll ah there's that huge clue that's been standing in front of me the entire time. And uh, I was telling Michael, like, this game is really good at making you feel extremely smart at times and then extremely stupid at other times. Yeah. But it, always in a fun way. And I, I like how they don't limit the, uh, you know, the time, wa- the, the stopwatch mechanic to just humans and stuff. There's one point where you go below deck and you actually investigate the, you know, the death of an animal. Mm-hmm. And, that, mm-hmm. uh, and that leads you to go to see what was going on with the humans around at the same time. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting moment showing that that mechanic just doesn't work, doesn't only work with humans, but it works mm-hmm. with everything else as well. Never been on a farm, eh, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and w- once you get to a certain point, you can kind of just say, like, all right, good enough, and and leave. But if you solve all the murders, which of course you will, because if you get to that point, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Then you get you get a secret ending, and you get to find out like here's what really happened at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a, I mean, this isn't a spoiler. There is a chapter that's like a later chapter in the book mm-hmm. that specifically states like this will only unlock when you've solved every other. Uh, right. Murder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. 
man, I love this game so it's, much. It's so great. I'm so glad. You know, Michael was like trying to convince me to play it. He's yeah. like, no, you, you really need to. I'm like, I don't know, man. You're like, eh, like maybe I'll wait till the winter sale. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. I will gift you a copy. <laughs> <laughs> Just play it. And then, yeah, and then I bought it, and I said, why, why didn't I get this sooner? Like, this is, yeah, it, it, it made my. Made my top ten, so uh, there are a lot, game. There are a lot of games that I think you know where you can watch, you know, like or, or see screenshots or something like that's something I want to play. I really didn't get it until I hopped into this game and started playing it, and uh, I, I think that's this is definitely one of those games where that the entire experience just changes when you're kind of like in the you know the mm-hmm. first person seat, and uh, because yeah, it it totally I was you know. Enthralled. I will say one thing about this game. So much of it relies on remembering faces, remembering voices, and everything. That you know, I took a break, came back the next day, and I was like, "Who is this again?" Yeah, you yeah. can lose your momentum very quickly. Yeah. Um, I've seen a few people say this is one of the few games this year that made them take notes outside of a game. Mm. Yes, uh, and I do wish maybe in the game there might have been some mechanic where you you could do a little bit of that. Like, hey, I knew this because you will retain like key information that there's really nowhere to place that information in, mm-hmm. in the book. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we should say the way it works with each death is you have to guess the identity uh, of the person who died. You have to guess their fate. So what happened to them? And it has like a list of verbs, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, like, it's right. like knived, uh, you know, uh, poison, this kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Torn um, apart. Yeah, torn apart uh, or, or alive. And then, and, then, and then you have to, mm-hmm. to guess um, you get, if they're alive, you have to guess where they are. If they were killed, you have to guess who their killer was, if there was a killer. And so, uh, a lot of the time in a lot of these scenes, it will reveal one or two of these elements to you. And then you do have to look across like four or five different scenes usually to be, to get all yeah. of the, all three facts. Mm-hmm. And one of the most nerve wracking things is committing to those facts, which you can change at any time, but you know, what, you know, trying to, to guess and then not knowing if you were correct or not, and just sitting there with your choices hanging out there. Yes. And then you have to, you have to, con- it, it always comes in threes. You have to confirm them in threes. The game will only tell you if you got three right, if you guessed them. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, to, to your point there with, like, sometimes you need to see uh, multiple perspectives on an event. Like, I'm thinking there's one event where, like, there's, there's a fight going on below decks, and then you... The death that you're investigating is this guy who's like off to the side behind a wall, got shot by an errant gun. And I'm like, okay, well, there's only one character in the scene who's firing a gun. So clearly it was that guy and like it wouldn't accept it. And I'm like, what the hell? And then finally later on, like I saw that same thing from another perspective. And I was like, oh, there's this guy I didn't see off on the other side of the room that's that's actually firing the shots. Ah. Yeah. Go. Mild spoiler, I guess, for, for one puzzle. but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are 60, 60 fates you have to yes, get. So yes, yes. There's quite a bit quite a bit of content in this game. And, yes. uh, yeah, one, I mean, it's, it's very different. Like, if you're going in expecting something like Papers, Please, I will say it's much less open-ended. Like, this is mm-hmm. very linear. It's always kind of set in stone what people's fates are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and if we are making it sound dry at all, that is entirely our fault. Mm-hmm. When Michael says this gets crazy it gets super crazy it, super fucking crazy it is take that at face value like it is absolutely crazy so please don't let us make this sound boring or yeah. dry or like a sherlock holmesian murder mystery like yeah no this is batshit insane within 
20 minutes of starting to play. Uh -huh. I mean, and, and it hints at that. Like like he was saying, you know, from the very first moment you have, oh, there's this watch that rewinds time. They certainly didn't have that in 1807. <laughs> no. You know? And so, and so you can see it's already going in some really yeah. weird directions. But, but it really has some, whoa moments in I'm there. thinking without specifically saying what it was that moment that triggers when you investigate the fourth body yes. what was your first reaction when you looked up and saw that <sighs> I want some room it's gonna spoil it if I <laughs> yeah yeah I um, guess. Well, uh. okay let me just say if this spoils it you can cut this out let me just say this I've been listening to the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea audiobook mm -hmm. uh, for the past couple weeks mm -hmm. and so it was just perfect timing that's all I'll yeah. say nice 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 that you know, it was that moment wasn't as surprising as the things that were later walking on the deck. That yeah, freaked me out. Yeah, yes, yeah. Try, yeah, trying to figure out what those were. Yes, and he, like getting right up close to them was like, what is this? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yes, so, yeah. weird. It gets crazy. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to number eight. Uh. Who is joining us for this segment? Uh, special guest, first time ever, it's... Anthony Acosta. Yeah, thank you for joining us. You you are a, a work friend from, from Ubisoft, <laughs> but you have been playing this game along with Matt and I. If that doesn't elicit some sort of Pavlovian response from you, I'm, I'm just not sure we're on the same level. There's a corpse waiting for me somewhere. <laughs> what game is this, Anthony? Uh, that would be Graveyard Keeper. Yes, Graveyard Keeper. And uh, full disclosure, I did get a review code for this from Tiny Build, the publisher. But uh, this hooked me hard, and it stayed with me for weeks. And uh, if, if you need any reinforcement that this is a very subjective list that we picked ourselves, and without outside influence, it's this, because it didn't do so great on Metacritic, but this is... A wonderful game. It is basically Stardew Valley with graveyard maintenance and undertaking. Another way of saying what you just said, Michael, is it's Edgelord Stardew Valley. Yeah. Is what yeah, this yeah, game yeah. is. It's, it's, it's Stardew Valley where you can uh, sell off, well, you can carve off meat to, from corpses and then cook it, or you yeah. can, you know, and eat it for energy or sell that to yeah, vendors. Make it into sandwiches. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, my experience is, you know, as someone who adored Stardew Valley and couldn't get enough of it and spent countless nights playing where I was like, oh, I'm just going to do one more day and one more day turned into 20 more in-game calendar days. Yep, yep. Um, I was looking for another game to scratch that itch. And even though some might say, hey, Graveyard Keeper is a bit derivative of Stardew Valley, sometimes that's okay to me. Like, hey, if, you, if it's derivative of a game that is one of my favorite games of the past five years and that I couldn't get enough of and was waiting for the next you know version of. Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with that. I will also say, in my opinion, it's a bit more of a... It's, it's a more complex Stardew Valley. There's actually... You know, the, the uh, production chains and everything like that, I think I think they're a bit more complex and there's, there's more... Uh, no pun intended, there's more meat on these bones, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, it's definitely in some ways it's a it's a freer uh, Stardew Valley, and in some ways it's more structured because, like, uh, on the one hand, farming is a very small part of the overall experience. Your main job is to maintain and improve a graveyard by interring only the best possible corpses with the nicest, most expensive possible headstones, so that you can, in your double job as a lay preacher, uh, get more donations from the townspeople to support the graveyard. 
Um, when you sure. when you run out of energy in this, you just have to go fall asleep. You don't, as in Stardew Valley, just collapse wherever you are and be dragged home and lose some of your money. So that's that's kind of nice. Yeah, no, you got to get that sweet, juicy meat. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you know, Matt, to your point about the systems and all that stuff, uh, I think it's a little bit overly complicated. It was, one of the, it was I think, ultimately the reason why I uh, stepped away from the game, because I, I fell into it deeply for about, I don't know, a few weeks or so, where I mm-hmm. was staying up very late to, you know, get the bodies and, and really just build out my entire, you know, household and all that jazz. But I found that, on, like with Stardew Valley, they don't get too much in your way in, in achieving your goal. And so, but with Graveyard Keeper, you say you wanted to be like, hey, I want to like clear that rubble down in my basement. You had to sort of analyze 12 different ways and 12 different systems to sort of mm-hmm. complete that task. And it became this laborious thing that was always in the way. And, and honestly, in the beginning, you don't mind that because the world is very immersive. It's incredibly beautiful. There's like a subtle shimmer to the leaves and, and such that it makes it very, uh, it's a very immersive world you want to be in. But after, after a time, you kind of, in my opinion, you hit a wall where you're just tired of having to jump through 12 hoops to achieve sometimes a very simple task. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so. like, I, I restarted it on... Because I had been playing it on PC, uh, which mm. has, by the way... Um, I forget what the, the expansion's called. Like, the free DLC that adds zombie workers. So that really? that's, like, a whole new dimension. Because it gets to a point, uh, eventually... And I, I finished the game. Uh, where you are doing all of this stuff that you realize... Like, I'm basically doing the entire... The, the work of an entire village by myself. Like... I'm mining, smelting, and crafting my own metal implements. Uh, I have to do everything with almost no support, uh, except from like these fatu- this fatuous merchant who's like, oh, if you box up enough of your gold star produce, I'll sell it and give you some of the money back. <laughs> yeah, but, but starting over, like getting to that, that rubble in your basement that you were talking about, that like, yeah, you go up to it and it's like, okay, well... You, it needs like this many wooden wedges and this many wooden planks and you realize like okay I can craft the wedges but not the planks yet I have to unlock a bunch of other stuff yeah. and in the meantime there is a talking skull and a communist donkey who are <laughs> demanding my attention the donkey was my favorite character uh, every character in this has a unique voice but they all just speak gibberish yeah um, michael you and i were trying to describe this game to diana the other mm-hmm. night and it just got outlandish where her eyes kept getting bigger and we were like we kind of finally looked at each other we're like yeah i know it sounds really crazy when we describe it but it's really good i assure you <laughs> it's like it's like yes there is a communist donkey mm-hmm. who gets upset with you because of your capitalistic ways and demands demands that you leave 10 carrots in a box before he will deliver another corpse for you yeah. to <laughs> well, <laughs> to basically like take the the body parts out of so you can sell them or craft them into other things and then yeah inter that corpse and in, inside the grave. This game has mm-hmm. faith points that you get for doing good sermons. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. but yeah the the communist donkey. I feel like should elaborate on that a little bit more. Like when you first meet him, he's like, oh, you can understand me. I work for this farmer who exploits me for a pittance. But then like eventually you are made the. I can't remember if it's like the deacon. You're you're put in charge of the church, and when you tell the donkey this, he's like, "Oh, so you own the means of production now, huh? That makes you a boss, and I'm going to start charging you." 
<laughs> but yeah, I think that's exactly what happens. I mean, it it has this weird tonal shift to it. Like there's this humor, and yet there's this weird darkness yeah. to it. Like it's like this gothic, you know, humor. I, I I was saying this earlier. It's kind of like Tim Burton's Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, <laughs> all the way down to the point where like, there, but then there's these weird pagan thing where they burn. Don't they burn pagans on like a cross or at some point? They, they like, burn. Well, you can make friends with like the head of the church, and then you can burn witches. And so yeah, a lot of your, like fetch quests is like. Go get me, or, or uh, go create flyers to put up for the next witch burning, yeah. <laughs> and go get me enough wood so that we can properly do the burning. It's it's super, like you said, it's like this morbid humor. Yeah. And open a hamburger stand and serve uh, sandwiches and beer next to the the witch burning, <laughs> and then at the same time you can make friends with the cultist who comes uh, wanders around under your house once a week, and he, he helps you access this dungeon where you go down and you actually have to fight monsters and clear floors. Uh, unlike Stardew Valley, it's not a roguelike. The floors are consistent. So, like, you, once you clear a floor, it's done, uh, which is, to me, kind of nice. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah. No, there's also a witch. There's a witch in a house, which is yes. somewhat similar to Stardew. She is it? hard wizard, to find. The wizard in the house? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I'll say about the map in general is it is a huge map. I think it might be bigger than Stardew Valley's map. Um, yeah, I think it's there's, bigger. There's a lot to explore, a lot of empty space with just, like, you know, there for you to mine resources. Yeah. I, I guess I, I will agree with you, though, Anthony. There's some of the complexity in this game. I will just say this is a game that you need to, like, have your phone with you to check the wiki at all yes. times yeah. to yes. kind of remember things. I At one point, I did get stuck because I'm like, okay, I need this this blue currency, which is, like, the science currency, but I, I thought I had bugged the game or like kind of you know reached a blocker quest and finally had to work my way you know, through checking the wiki to say, oh, okay, I need to go and do this so that I can sell this other or research these blank pages to get this currency. Like it's it wasn't as streamlined as Stardew Valley is, you know, which is yeah. ultimately why I think Stardew Valley is probably the better game. Yeah, Stardew Valley, I never felt like at a loss for what to do. And you know, Graveyard Keeper, I do sometimes feel that way. I was like, okay, now what do I do? And then there's... We're not even talking about the whole uh, body preparation side of things, which is like yeah. this, its own complex <laughs> mini game where, like, you have to know what to take out of a body to improve its quality, which is represented as red skulls and white skulls. And you want more white skulls uh, because red skulls means, like, okay, this is going to taint the quality of the grave. And what was it? It's almost impossible to know that unless you look it up online. I remember feeling extremely frustrated being like, why am I doing this wrong? I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. following the process, but you have to literally find these subtle nuances. That's why you got to build a crematorium, baby. You got to, you got to cremate those bad corpses. (laughs) Well, a a corpse's uh, grave can only be as, as nice as the corpse itself. So if you've got a, a corpse with three white skulls and you have a, a five skull headstone, like, well, that's just a waste. No, you should only have, like any anything over that three skulls is not counted, uh, and this is sounding really complicated. But and then there's like a certain amount of random chance that it's like you've got um, what is it uh, brain, uh, intestines, and some and, and heart, and like removing uh, one of these and it's random every time will dramatically improve the quality of the body, and removing another will will decrease it. But Destroy then the body, yeah. You yep. can stop doing that altogether and just, like, build embalming stations that, like, hugely improve the corpses. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's a, it's a very complex network of systems. It's game systems run amok, but... Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's a, it's a delightful... The funny thing is, like, it, it, 
I, I almost wish I could see Stardew Valley's version of this, right? At least in terms of the simplicity and, and the, the way, the, the quicker return on investment, mm -hmm. so to speak. But like this tone, like this is what I wish Stardew Valley was in some ways. Like I, I like Stardew very, very much. It's, you know, highly regarded. But like this idea of a game is it fits more my you know what what my taste but yeah, yeah. again i think that the systems for my opinion at least were what stopped me at the end of the mm. day from really trying to find out like because also at the end of this or rather the beginning of this there's this really compelling story of someone who dies and sort of what happens to him and you you do have this instant question you want to find out yeah. from this skull that's talking to you yeah well, that, and I, I don't know if i'll ever figure that out that that's the other thing that like yeah you it begins in the modern day where you're hit by a car and you wake up and like I'm in a medieval village. I've just been assigned the job of graveyard keeper and everyone accepts this. No one can tell me where we are or what year it is, but <laughs> but there's a talking skull who will help me out and is like, yeah, stop stop talking shit about being from another world. You're going to attract the Inquisition's attention. Yeah, they almost hint that this has happened before, too. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh yeah, yep. there was another one of you who, who said these things and yeah, he yep. got burned at the stake. And, yeah. He might actually be the skull. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but No, I... You know, I, I would I would also say like if you if you were into Stardew Valley because of the relationship stuff, like meeting the townspeople and building that, um, that isn't necessarily a big focus of this game. There no. is some relationship points, but it's really just tied to like the quests that you're completing yeah. for well, them. Well, it's it's friendships and it's like getting in good with characters by doing favors for them, and then they'll do stuff for you, and then there'll be another thing that you need. It's like oh, and I have to help this person in order to get it. Yeah. Well, this one, it's it's clearly, like Anthony was saying, it's like systems run amok. Like, it's very, they're very transparent. Like, oh, this is a system. Whereas in Stardew, there were times I would just go talk to a character just to see what they were up to because it was like I was building that relationship. Right, yeah. So that's yep. not so much here. But you know what? I love games that are systems run amok. Like, I love math, you know? So this game is like, if you love systems and math, go for it. Systems and math. That's why you come to Vintage Game Apocalypse. <laughs> that's right. But I, I think for me, like, the very core of the experience and this is true of both Graveyard Keeper and Stardew Valley, is uh, expressed in this sound clip. It's the simple little bubble wrapping pop of, uh, you know, chopping down trees, collecting things, picking up mm -hmm. logs, taking them back to your, uh, your stack at, at, at your house, and then going and just mining rocks with your pickaxe and uh, just, just that constant farming and collecting loop is is still really fun in this. And it's it's yeah. as, about as strong here as it was in Stardew Valley, although the yeah. overall experience is very different. It doesn't have the bubble noise. It needs the bubble noise that Stardew <laughs> yeah. had. Yeah, it has like I mean, a clicky noise. It's not quite the same as the pop, 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 pop. Yeah, I mean, it has this very soothing musical score too. Mm -hmm. I mean, prior to us like starting this recording, I was I had it up and I was just like listening to it play as I was like preparing dinner, and it made me just kind of smile and and, and just be excited to be in this like you know silly, colorful world mm -hmm. of like gothic horrors yeah. and happiness. So. That's a, that's a great point. It actually has yeah two or three of my favorite game songs of the year. It just my one knock against it is there's not that many songs on the mm -hmm. soundtrack. That's true. Like, it does repeat itself. But quite you a sure bit. will but, hear them a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they're quite good. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Well, thanks, Anthony. Uh, we're going to move on to our... Number seven. They will come. They will try to take from us. Take our guns. Take our freedom. Take our faith. 
We will not let them. Sheriff, come on. Hold on, We will not let their greed or their immorality or their depravity hurt us anymore. Sheriff, there will be no more suffering. Joseph C. I have a warrant issued for your arrest. And joining us, our special guest, George. Hello. Uh, I work at Ubisoft. My podcast is Experience Points. And full disclosure... I'm your hired help. Yeah. <laughs> you and I are both Ubisoft employees, and this is a Ubisoft game we're talking about, Far Cry 5. But I am no longer a Ubisoft employee, and it was very high on my list. Yeah. So. And, yeah th- and I've never been a Ubisoft employee, and I did not get into the last Far Cry game, and I did really, really get into this one. Yeah. No, I don't know what it was about Far Cry um, 4, but it just felt like... Um, it's a very pretty shooter, but I, it just, I didn't immediately notice anything different. And there was just something about this weird-ass world of up, like, what, mid-Montana? Montana, Is that where yeah. we're at? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Hope County, just, Montana. There's nothing was, nothing more exotic to an American who who's, lives on the coast than the middle of our own country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yes. I've been to Montana. It? it is absolutely beautiful. And I think the game does oh. a really good job of rendering it, actually. Yeah, I've, I've traveled I traveled there a bunch, but now I spend my life as a content creator wondering what those people are like. <laughs> against me. Um, but no, it, more... I still think it's an incredibly awesome premise and scenario for a game, even if the approach to a cult comes off as kind of toothless in the end. Um, mm. I do really like the setting for that town See, I take, and everyone being afraid of this local cult. I take exception with the, with the toothless thing because I know that was the narrative when the game came out. But what I will say is like what they were trying to portray is, is they were showing like he's just – he's a madman, right? It's yeah. it, like they weren't – I think what a lot of people got disappointed with is, oh, they're going to go after like you know the dynamics of like religion and and, and Trumpers, right yes, yes, I wanted to see that. I wanted to see the, I wanted to see alt right classic, yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah. what, what up a this bit. really was, and what uh, the creative director Dan Hay was saying it is, is that uh, it, it's kind of conveying this feeling of a world on the edge, that yeah. we're not safe anymore we don't have this feeling of societal safety that we did in like the 90s yeah things are coming to a head things are going to explode what's going to happen everybody's afraid and it's it's trying more to recapture that feeling than any particular political zeitgeist it's true it's true and i I know that i don't fault i still feel like a little bit it's still a major corporation ubisoft um and they didn't we know uh religious people make up a sizable portion (laughs) of our buying audience and i'm pretty sure they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings there however what i didn't know is what when did this game come out what was the release date on it oh God. It, was, it was it was early march wasn't it i watched this backwards but if you didn't so take some of the religious aspects out of it if you didn't watch this in conjunction with netflix's wild wild yeah. country march 27th yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah 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 that's a yeah. great comparison I, yeah that's ex- but that's exactly what it is and there's not a lot of like religious basis for what happened in the documentary wild wild country even though it is a religious based cult mm-hmm. no it was, it was just about uh, a group of people who got a tremendous amount of power and ended up becoming part of the government and then hurting this small surrounding town. Yeah. And that's exactly what Far Cry is. Yes. Yeah, well, I yeah. think they were going... See, I'm a religious guy, right? And and I will say, though, that I, what they were going for was like the David Koresh stuff, which is like, oh, no, that's like yeah. religious extremists and that's like religion gone wrong. And I, I, I don't think they pulled punches there where they were showing like, no... These are fanatics. We talked about that in the past. It's part of my expectations. When I saw this trailer, I'm like, "Oh, they're really yeah. going to give it to Trump supporters," well, and they didn't. And that's not that's it's not required for them to do so. Right. But I was, 
I, that's why I was disappointed by it, even though it's just my shitty expectations. Well, and to be fair, they don't really lean into the cult stuff. I mean, besides some of the weird cutscenes between the mm-hmm. siblings of the family, they really mm-hmm. just lean heavily on the NPCs that are diverse yeah. and interesting and all are yes. sort of this is, on the raggedy edge of defending their own homes. Yeah, you could almost say the cult is, is kind of, it's a backdrop to provide action. Really, this is... This is a game about the people you hang out with in the country you're exploring. Uh, for example, yeah. whoa, deja voodoo, man. Have, have we have we met before? <laughs> Dang, man, my prayers have been answered. I got a direct line to that sweet little monkey god whose art hangs in heaven. Well, I guess since you're an angel working here on Earth, the Monkey King, that you already know, I gotta get my daddy's truck back. I mean, he's real butt sore. But if we get it back, he'll let me sleep in my bed again. Who, who would have thought that Herc would become the common thread that ran between Far Cry games? Yeah, well, he's, what, debuted in the DLC for 3? Yeah, and then was in 4. Uh, actually, He's I, in I, Primal. I do want to point out, he's they didn't charming. pull... Is he in pun- Primal? He's in Primal. He's in Primal. <laughs> what? What? He's, there's, a, there's an ancestor of Herc's named Erky, who you can meet, <laughs> and, and he speaks <laughs> in like the uh, the proto-language that they developed for that game, but like with Herc's accent. That's so great. Uh, Erky oh Patash, Erky Patash. Actually, this so Herc's dad in this game is proof they don't pull punches when it comes to Trump supporters. Herc's yeah. dad is that prototypical Trump supporter, yeah. and he is a fucking asshole in this game. But he's still one of the good guys. You're doing yeah, jobs for him. Like, technically, yeah. not really, but you hate him. Get my fucking son oh. out of here. Yeah, it's because he packs heat, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's I think at the end of the day that that's what the game's about. It's about this. This the surrounding town and wilderness that can't rely on the rule of law to protect them anymore, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of these these cultists taking over everything, yeah. And uh, that's what I really dig of it. And the the people you do meet through that and want to help. And my God, uh, Clutch Nixon. Oh, the cult of Clutch Nixon is now growing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's he's badass. Like those segments. Just the song is super. I, I think cool. the song was it done is. by a band from San Francisco, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, locally it's fantastic. grown. Um, um, yeah, and it just and uh, if I didn't, I know we always say this when we talk about it, but like I haven't seen it does a lot of this, uh, the stuff that Ubisoft games have done. Yeah. But how fast and how fun it is to unlock these powers and skills. Yeah. I was shocked by how fast they came mm-hmm. and how quickly I adapted them into my arsenal. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't want to say arsenal because they're all things you can end up doing regardless of what weapon you're carrying. Um, until you, yeah, you're this slow dude trying to hunt stuff with a bow and arrow, and then eventually you have a machine gun jumping out of your own plane with a wingsuit going across the entire state. Yeah, yeah. It's astonishing. Sticking like cougars and bears on people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I love just, yeah, the, the airdrop fast travel. I think that's one of the best things ever. There's a thing over here. There's a fast travel point near it. Airdrop, I'll just wingsuit over to it. The uh, customization is incredible. Like, my character has a silenced light machine gun, which is like that's not a thing <laughs> yeah. that I think exists. Can't do that. No. Nope. nope. That yeah. silencer would stop yeah. working after a few rounds. Nor nor can you give me an organic skill with my own biology where I can rig every car that started to explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will whatever. say I forget how that skill works. You're talking about like it does a lot of Ubisoft things. I I do appreciate mm-hmm. that they went for a little bit of a different tack this time. Instead of the typical Ubisoft, like, I open the map, there's 200 icons when the game starts mm-hmm. or I have to climb a tower yeah. to reveal those icons. 
one of the coolest things about this game is like the way that stuff revealed itself to you. You had to interact with the NPCs. You yeah. had to interact with the world and the yeah. environment. And I'd they look would at tell signs you, and things. Yeah, they would. T- yeah, you would look at signs, and all of a sudden, oh, that's that's where this hunting area is. Or an NPC would tell you about a quest, and then then it appeared on your map. It's not just. I mean, because Ubisoft was getting a little bit knocked for like in Assassin's Creed. It's like. I don't know what to do. There's too much choice. There's too many options here. And so Far Cry does roll it out to you a bit slower, but without like, you know, it's not like the action rolls out slower. You're still doing, you know, all these amazing things. Like you said, jumping out of yeah, airplanes. Eventually you get that whole ducktails. I can go, I can tackle whoever I want yeah. first I mean, or the, second. The whole world opens up right off the bat if you want it to. Mm-hmm. But I oh, yeah. certainly, like I only, I beat the first two areas in order. I know? think that I think the order you're supposed to do them in and I'm totally remember forgetting the name of the people. So there's the lower left area. Yeah. And then there's the the That's, the drug area, yeah, the you lower got, right. You've got the lower, lower lower left is John Seed and the uh the town uh that you liberate early yeah. on. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. it, John Seed is the one who tattoos people and then cuts the skin off. Yeah. yeah. Uh you've on the lower right you've got Faith, yeah, and, Faith. and that that region is amazing because it's like the, it's heavily infused with bliss and I feel like that's the, the where you find bliss like, being the hallucinogenic right, yes, drug that makes you trip balls yeah. <laughs> but that's where you also find like the weirdest people like I think that's where you find like the the haunted house that's full of spring loaded corpses which may yeah. be actual corpses left yes. there by a serial killer yeah. yeah and then and then you do the north thing which is uh, the northern area of the map where you kind of go through these like brainwashing see it's it's that's like yeah. the craziest i did the, so that was the first yeah. one i did actually. you really yeah, wow. North, wow. yeah i did north first and then the sister that's where you yeah. meet jacob when a nation that's never known hunger or desperation descends into madness we'll be ready we will call the herd we will do what needs to be done Yeah, that that song becomes so pervasive. Yeah. Well, Jacob to me was the most terrifying yeah. baddie in the game because he's ex special forces. He is just a tool that Joseph Seed, right? Joseph is is, yeah. mm-hmm. is the, that father, the father. Yes. Just the father. points Jacob at things and says, "Go do this." Yeah. And Jacob is like a true believer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that feels like it feels like Apocalypse Now that sequence, and uh, and yeah. really reminds me the most of Far Cry Two, which is still to the end of my days will be my favorite Far Cry. Yeah, dude, I played. I I did the most. This reminded me a lot of Far Cry 2 and for weirdly Assassin's Creed Brotherhood yeah. in that you instantly unlock these icons and like, well, I like doing all these things. Why don't I just go do all of them right now? And then when I'm done with that, yeah. I'll accomplish the next task. Yeah. yeah, And I get stronger all the while and I until I'm eventually fucking judo chopping bears and stealing their <laughs> fucking skin and essence. You know, one thing I, we should say, and I don't know if any of you guys got a chance to do it, but playing through a campaign multiplayer... Absolute blast! Yeah. Oh, so yeah. fun. I wish I would have done more of that. I really did, because uh, especially because Michael and then Matt were playing at the same time. We should have done that. Maybe with New good. Dawn. Yeah. Um, let me we ask still you guys. Can. I'd love to ask you a question. So, who were your favorite two companions? Because you know you get to choose. You always have peaches. Two. Did I did I answer too fast? <laughs> <laughs> I also rolled with peaches. Who the, what the stealth cougar? That you yeah. could send after anyone. I felt like yes. I really liked Nick Rye, but I felt like he was pretty OP just because I'm like, yeah, I just point him at things and they explode. Oh, because the, the, was he the, the plane? The f- yeah, the one with the plane. Yeah, where he would just do strafing um, runs of areas. I, I really liked having, weirdly enough, um, 
So either Herc or Sharky, who are cousins, and then Jess Black, the archer, because the dialogue between them was fantastic. And I think there was even one where, like, with Sharky Boshaw, where he's asking Jess, like, so uh, I'm guessing you liked that uh, Robin Hood with the fox a lot when you were a kid. <laughs> I can I can wear a tail if you want. Whoa! Ooh, I forgot lovely. about that. Yeah, yeah they lovely. actually have uh, interactions between the companions. Yeah, yeah. J- I, just Black being the archer and Sharky being the the flamethrower redneck. I think I must be antisocial because I always went with peaches and then the bear. Uh-huh. And so yeah. it's, cheeseburger's great. Cheeseburger and peaches, had, yeah. and so I don't have any humans around me. Just animals. These are my animal companions that will murder you and eviscerate you. Yeah. <laughs> If Peaches and the Jess Bear, the Peaches yeah. and the Bear, I only caught in reruns of Nickelodeon. <laughs> I was just about to say, that is such a 70s show. What was the thing with, like, Cheeseburger? He, ha- he like, used to eat cheeseburgers, but he can't eat them anymore because he got ursine diabetes He has or diabetes, yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, I, w- I went back and was replaying this after finishing it, which I, I hadn't really gone back to the main campaign since finishing it. And I didn't realize, number one, if you have the DLC, mm-hmm. the guns from the DLC no will way. become available. So even, like, the ray guns from Lost on Mars, like, you oh. can use those in Hope County. I was going to say, um, yeah, because the Vietnam guns I wouldn't have yeah. wanted to use in the, in the main and, game. And, well, you can do those, too. Yeah. Um, and also that once you have kind of done everything cleared out the outpost the game starts to feel a bit like an outdoor simulator where it's like oh i can go fishing and mm. hunting mm-hmm. and exploring mm-hmm. and wingsuiting and- if anything that was actually my biggest knock against this game um what i loved about far cry 4 i don't know call me crazy i like i like getting animal pelts and turning them into wallets and and you know all of that stuff that wasn't a requirement in five like you didn't right. need that stuff to craft into other things they're, they're sale items now right yeah and so to me though it, it gave me less incentive to like, oh, I'm going to go well, one four. It was like, go hunt down a rhino, you know, go hunt down mm-hmm. this or whatever. I didn't feel the need to do that as much in five, which which is kind of a bummer because I really did like that in four. Mm. But I get I get why they did it. It was just yeah, more like I'm the exact opposite. I fucking hated having to like make a shark skin wallet to carry a one <laughs> extra item. It was awful. Oh, my yes. God. I'm having to do that in Red Dead and I don't like it at all. Yeah, this I is never oh, engage well, in Red Dead, it's tedious because not mm-hmm. only is it like kill this mm-hmm. thing. It's like, no, get the perfect version of that yeah. thing. Well, I kind of like that, except like there are times in, in games when it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like at Assassin's Creed 4, I think they had to like kill two whales to make a vest. Something yeah. like that. Like, I on. mean, that's a hell of a vest, though, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, he's just yeah. so bad at carving stuff. <laughs> just like, you know, there's only so much usable whale skin. <laughs> Very true. I hope that had an option for Leonard Nimoy to come back and tell you to cut it out. Mm-hmm. These whales will be important. <laughs> Oh, man. But no, Far Cry 5 is... And, and it still does have legendary hunts. I think they're, they're judge animals that you have to Dude, hunt down. The yeah. judge animals are amazing. The Judge Moose is one of my favorite oh, yes. experiences. That's one of my universe. favorite yeah. enemy names of any game ever, just Judge Moose. <laughs> Judge Moose. Judge Moose. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. But yes, a hulked out fucking moose. <laughs> well, they're, I mean, they're all the Judge animals are on Bliss, right? Like, they're super drugged out versions. Yeah, they're yeah. cracked out animals, yeah. Yeah, that's my, oh, the Bliss, that's my other knock against the game, is the forced Bliss segments where there's, to move the story along, depending on, you know, when you accomplish certain missions, they will send these, like, hit crews after you that shoot mm-hmm. bliss bullets at you and knock you out and then you wake up somewhere and you have to do this where that was the one thing i'm like god i just i love playing around in the open world like i really don't want this force segment which you know some of those would take like 30 or 40 minutes to resolve or something it was is you know and it was my fault i guess for progressing the story along to the point where those would trigger mm-hmm. uh but I, I i did think that was an interesting approach because yeah. like 
I wouldn't have walked over to that area and started that mission on my own. Yeah. So they fucking they dart me, <laughs> make yeah, me get out of the way. Yeah, I mean, from like a heavily guarded base. I will say it is it is a nice. It's nice that they have a solution to something I think a lot of open world games suffer from, which is no, I'd rather just. There's no urgency, right? It's like I'd rather dick around in the environment for like a year and never get to the main missions. And they're like, well, they're trying to at least move me along mm-hmm. in the plot. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of felt like, not to get too spoilery, but like in that first area with um, John Seed, uh, when he, you, you get kidnapped, like there are these moments where it's like, you, it feels like being a tiger in a cage staring down a captor and you're like, they're, they're like being all smug and like, oh, I've got you now. And you're thinking like, I am danger incarnate. Yeah. I'm going to bust out of here and be like a fucking tornado that shoots lead in one direction. <laughs> and that direction is you. You are fucking dead. You don't even realize it. But then like later in the game, when they start like you, you start going through these bliss hallucinations and these weird mind control things, it's like. Yeah. It feels a little bit more like, oh, I have a vulnerability here. They've put some kind of poison in me that might make me dangerous in ways I don't want to be, or that might make me lose control, or things like that. So yeah, be a sleeper agent mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. 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 Bliss is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I actually really enjoyed the ending, and only recently did the world find out that. It ties in directly to the next Far Cry yes. game, Far Cry which do you want, is almost entirely different, and I'm alert? incredibly intrigued um, by that. I mean, the well, canon ending. It's, this, is, this is something, it, it should uh, maybe get a bit of a spoiler alert, but the announcement of Far Cry New Dawn has kind of made it clear uh, what happens at the end of Far Cry 5. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, that, that's just, that's just yeah. it, because it did kind of... I don't know the DLC ever followed up on this cliffhanger it, it of an ending. Not. Which, it like, did that just really happen? No, the DLC was all just separate from the events of Far Cry Five. Yeah. It was like Michael referenced. There's like the alien sci-fi mission. I, I talked about. There's this mm-hmm. the Vietnam thing. And one thing I will say Hours about the DLC, darkness, yeah. I, what I loved about the DLC is um, it wasn't just oh here's more of the core game. Like, mm-hmm. well, especially in the Vietnam one, it, it was meant to be much more of a stealth experience where they've yeah. taken away a lot of your tools. Well, all three pieces of post-launch content had a very different feel to them where, right. yeah, Hours of Darkness was very stealth-focused. Uh, you know, you you didn't have much. You, you were slowly earning your weapons. Lost on Mars was just crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, let's just jump around on Mars. And then uh, the last one, I'm blanking on the name, but it was, you're, you're in a bunch of pitches for, like, b-grade zombie movies mm. and it it was really just like left for dead kind of like horde mode like just constant oncoming zombies and every level is a different kind of pitch so every level is very different mm-hmm. and it's got all these kind of weird fourth wall breaking touches where like the, the levels are narrated by this director as he's pitching them to someone mm. and somebody can be like oh and then he you know, ran down to the barn, and why does he have a barn? Like, okay, not a barn, it's this other thing, and, like, the building disappears and is replaced with another building. And... It's a bit like Borderlands 2 with the Tiny Tina, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the D&D like that. module, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and then and then I, we haven't even brought up, like, Far Cry Arcade. Yes. That's a thing that they've been yeah. doing, uh, mm-hmm. and I think in, in this version of the game, they finally kind of nailed it, how to integrate it with the rest of the game, where... Straight up, you walk up to arcade machines that would be like in some bar, yeah, and, and you can just playing. play this special mode. And there was some cool stuff in there, like um, yeah, yeah. user generated stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told myself to stop fucking around with it, just because like you got to finish this game. <laughs> You're a professional podcaster. You got to talk about everything. Well, I think one yeah, of the one feeling. of the first like maps I jumped into, someone had recreated uh, the ending of Sicario. 
Really? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Wow. Awesome. Okay. I got to check that one out. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. That might have been a featured map at the time. Someone at Ubisoft obviously liked that one. So. Yeah. Nice. Clearly. All right. Well, let's move on to... Number six. Tell your boss he can stick it. That's for last week! Malaka. That's everyone's favorite word this year in which game? Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, so we have two special guests joining us for this segment. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. My name is Yusuf Magid. I'm uh, a part of the Ubisoft news team. Yes, you're, you're my co-worker. And yeah, full disclosure, we are both Ubisoft employees. Double shells! <laughs> <laughs> Who else? This is Michael Williams, reviews editor of US Gamer, and I am not a shill. You're not a shill, but we are all united in one common thing. We love Assassin's Creed Odyssey. This uh, this was a fantastic game developed by Ubisoft Quebec, giving us this gigantic Greek odyssey with naval battles and choices for the first time in an Assassin's Creed and the ability to play as either Cassandra or Alexios. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it, slight spoiler alert, it's not at the top of my personal top ten, which Ooh, will how be published dare you. next week on uh, usgamer.net, but uh, it is nice up play. on my top five, and I loved it a, a great deal. Uh, it definitely took what started in Origin, sort of that path, and continued it on and uh, offered up something that uh, I'd say we're starting to miss, considering that we're not getting a Mass Effect or Dragon Age for some time, and I don't think there will be a Witcher for some time either so this mm. is the only game in town for this kind of uh, action rpg exploration open world thing now we'll get cyberpunk 2077 Eventually. hopefully next year mm -hmm. maybe fingers crossed yeah i'm i'm actually in a in a very similar boat this is it scratched the exact itch i wanted i've always been an open world rpg choices fan before and i've always been an assassin's group before so to see the franchise go in that direction was just kind of a dream come true for me actually i think for me as as someone who's been a huge fan of the series since the first game this gave me something that i never knew that i wanted but that i once i had it i realized i wanted it desperately which was the ability to jump off a cliff in any direction and <laughs> land unharmed, unharmed. Yep. <laughs> you know what made me realize that actually was playing a lot of discovery mode in or discovery tour excuse mm -hmm. me in assassin's creed origins because you couldn't take any damage in that mode and oh. so i was running around that world just diving off of buildings and cliffs and i realized how fun that was and so to actually get that in the game itself in Odyssey was just so fun. I'm going to go one step further than you went, Michael. Not only, I think, are all of us here fans of this game, I think it's safe to say we're all fans of the Assassin's Creed franchise yes. in general. Like I, I, I would consider myself an Assassin's Creed super fan. That's very safe to say. And so, for me, I never really liked the narrative of, oh, this, this formula is getting stale. And, 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 you know, but the one good thing that came of it was origins and this all new formula mm -hmm. uh which is why i think odyssey is it's sort of a miracle that not only are we getting a game as big if not bigger than origins less than a year uh, after origins but it it expands upon origins and there's there's new systems and things added like it's like the way that that they made this um and the fact that you have choices and all this stuff is like I, I, I'm just super impressed. It's actually, I'm really bummed that I think Yubi's already come out and confirmed there. there's definitely no Assassin's Creed game uh, next year or no, no mainline, you know, big one like this, which 
I mean, this game just leaves me wanting more. Um, and I know these are giant. These are over 100 hours, <laughs> you know, 200 hours probably if you go do every side mm-hmm. thing. But I... I love them. Uh, I'm going to go back to, remember that article on uh, Kotaku we were talking about by Kirk Hamilton where, where he compares Red Dead Redemption 2 with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And he's like, basically, like, they're two very different philosophies of open world. And RDR 2 is almost like this old school philosophy and you have the health and, you know, it's more realistic. And then, you know, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is, is more like arcadey. And it's like, yeah, if, if it's like Far Cry 2 and then when Far Cry spun off to Far Cry 3, like, that's the route AC Odyssey went. And... I think that's totally fine that we had both of these games in the same year because we're getting the best of both worlds. Like, it's nice to play RDR2, the realistic open world game, but it is a joy to play around in this. Like, I, it, I don't know if arcade is the right word for it, but it's definitely like, you know, it's it's more video game of an open world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I said the same thing. I was talking, uh, I felt like people were sort of down on AC Odyssey when it came out on its own. And then I think RDR2 came out and everyone sort of dived in. And I think RDR2 made Odyssey look better. Because if you didn't buy what Red Dead Redemption 2 was putting down, that sort of soak in the world, you move at our pace kind of thing, then Assassin's Creed Odyssey was the game for you. Because it doesn't get in your way. It doesn't fight you. It's just like, here's the world. Have fun. Explore it. You can loot while you're riding on a horse, and like that's just fantastic. So I, I think RDR2 actually helped Odyssey a bit. It, you know what else doesn't get in your way? Trees when you're on a horse. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or, or my horse can jump off a rock like yeah, ten feet up or whatever, and just not immediately collapse and die. It's mm. it's very video gamey, but it still it does make you ride on your horse from location to location. You do have to unlock the the quick travel locations with mm-hmm. the, with the like. I actually love that how they kind of modified the whole you know the eagle points from the older games where now that's how you unlock quick travel, and it also improves the skills of your eagle so that you can you can see more things and it's yep. easier to detect things uh, in the environment. Like I love that you're because you're kind of leveling up your eagle with you. I think that's great. It improves Icarus's perception. Yes, that's right. And I I mean when I first found out that like this this was going to be a pre-assassin story, it's not going to have the hidden blade. It's instead going to have the spear of Leonidas. Like mm-hmm. I was sort of cautiously optimistic like okay, this this feels weird to me, but let's see what they do with it. And then that spear turns out to be it's like it it feels like Assassin's Creed Odyssey is a game about saying yes to the player. Like, everything you want to do, it's like, yes, okay, go do that. Yes. And then the spear gives you all these cool abilities. It it just makes it so fun to operate in this world. And I, I think my, my personal favorite is the, um, the Rush Assassination, I think it's called, where you throw it. And then you just sort of appear there and pull it out of your enemy's back. And I, I use and then that you to can just, chain it. Yeah, you, you yeah. can chain it. I use that to, like, jump around fortresses. Like, just... Oh, it's great just for navigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very Final Fantasy fifteen as well. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, I, I think, I mean, it was so exciting to see Origins last year change up the combat to a hitbox-based system. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Odyssey almost took an equal giant leap forward just by adding all of the spear abilities so that i mean in in origins it was it was combat and then you had your overpowered attack but it was it was a bit more bland like you had your shield um i I wouldn't say bland but it was it was a bit more realistic um whereas in odyssey it was you know you're chaining together all these abilities and you know rush assassinating opening with that and then executing a hero strike or a spartan kick or a shield bash and it was just i feel i felt like a superhero 
just in the yeah. combat, really. That's a great way of putting it. Like, yeah, this this game definitely it makes you feel like a superhero, and it's still ground. It's supposed to be grounded in you know the past, like in history or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think you know. It's it's it doesn't go as far as let's say like a Far Cry does where you do you literally do superhero things you know in the course of that game it's like yeah you can't fly in these games but they do give you lots of fun toys and tools to play with and uh, yeah there are some abilities like I love the, you know one of my first ability I unlock is just that one where I can detect all the stuff in the environment because I got to yep. pick up every single piece mm-hmm. of loot ever mm-hmm. uh, otherwise I feel like I just completely missed an entire cave if I don't pick up every stupid piece of metal in that cave <laughs> don't know why I need them all. <laughs> So I'm curious to know, did you guys choose to play as Cassandra? No one on this island is allowed to say that word! Did he say Cyclops? Did he hurt your feelings? I don't like it when people call me that! Um. Or Alexios. I just want to have a healthy father and to start my journey. You can start that after we have a little fun. I do enjoy your attempts. Tell me, what is it that's meant to make me swoon this time? It's really something that has to be experienced. So me. You're right. Experiencing that was far better than just hearing about it. Told you. <laughs> I, I love that sound clip you chose. <laughs> I, I I had to like that that moment with the Cyclops toward the beginning of the game is still one of my favorites. And spoiler, it it involves an obsidian eye being shoved into a goat, which then runs away, and which you can find later to retrieve the obsidian eye in a triumph of world. Yes, design. you can. There is a trophy for it. There is, yeah. And then, yeah, the, the others, a romance clip, truncated a bit to, to get rid of some of the pauses. But yes, it's Alexios and Odessa speaking yeah. to each other on... And, and that was that was my Alexios for most of the game. Yeah. Pretty much anyone who offered some sort of sexual relation or even had the opportunity, like, my Alexios was like, let's, let's make this happen. Yeah. So I yep. was sleeping through ancient oh, Greece. Nice. You were just spreading ancient chlamydia throughout yeah. ancient Greece. Nice. I, I will. That, that was my Cassandra as well. Mm-hmm. My Alexios has slept with everybody who's like Alcibiades is some of like the funniest shit in that game. I love that guy. <laughs> like anytime you're you're offered a sexual encounter by Alcibiades, go for it because it will always be worth it. <laughs> so my favorite hilarious. line in probably the entire game is when you're at Pericles' symposium and you follow Alcibiades back to his orgy mm-hmm. and you walk in and the first time they open the door, a goat comes running out. Yep. And you, like your character sort of just looks off confused and strange. And then you talk to him a little bit, you offer him up some olive oil, and then you walk into the room to partake. Yeah. If, and if you your character right invitation. before the door closes says, there's a second goat? <laughs> and I just lost it laughing. Yeah, that and and that moment, like there, there's a brief pause and then you just like throw open the doors looking triumphant as shit just like yes (laughs) i exult to the heavens so did you all play alexios did you did you all choose the boring basic Um, bitch ass choice i played as i i had wanted to play as cassandra but i knew everyone else on our team was going to be playing as cassandra so i'm like okay one of us should play as alexios so we have that experience me and yusuf are are part of the proud 25 percent if you will Mm. because wasn't wasn't that what Mm. the producer came out and said about 25 i believe it was was 33 33 okay yeah yeah so yeah cassandra all the way man she was great because uh, Alexios is clearly playing a character or his voice actor is like very, very much like um, uh, like an Ezio. Right. Hmm. Whereas Cassandra is just she's she's matter of fact and she's awesome and, and just 
sort of realistic sounding, you know. I mean, they're they're both yeah. playing characters, but yes, of yeah. course, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I like Cassandra's performance more, but I tend to, whenever I get the option to make or, or choose a character, try to choose as close to myself as possible mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. At, in most role playing games. So I'm not I'm not one of those who, who tries to make a different character so so what you're like, telling me is you're a white guy with dreads and beads in his hair <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that's the the moment i i, I have a greek white guy yeah, with yeah. Uh, dreads. you don't beads. know what mike was like in college that's true i don't <laughs> um i used to be like that i used to just be like hey i'm gonna create this character to look exactly like me and then when it was always it was the mass effect games with femshep and the dialogue around femshep and i realized like I'm going to try just to roll female tunes more often and see what that what that's like. And yeah, I've always had fun doing it. It's funny you say that because uh, actually Mass Effect Andromeda for me was the first time I had a complete, you know, customizable character, but I decided to go uh, to go play as a woman instead um, of trying to create someone like me just because I didn't like any of the customizable male options. Mm, yeah, and I, I, I do love, like, having having spent, like, 100-plus hours playing as Alexios, like, his... His accent is a little bit goofy, but I do like it about him. He gives him a sort of charm. <laughs> you went a little too Dracula on that one. <laughs> I think you're right. It's a little, I was kind of going for, like, most interesting man in the world. It was more Dracula. That was right. like Adam Sandler's Dracula from Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> Hello, Barnabas. I want to suck your blood. Blah. I also do have to give a shout out um, just because, you know, I've been lucky enough to have met and interviewed um, each of the voice actors, Michael and Melisanthi, and they're two of the coolest, most fun people I've ever gotten to interview. Uh, they're absolute craftsmen when it comes to craftspeople, uh, when it comes to, like, making their character. And they're both of Greek descent, too, which is, is great to see. I also love the uh, commercials uh, that you guys put together, Ask a Spartan, with both of them in costume, which I, I, I thought was a lot of fun. I was like, wow, they kind of look like the characters, too. Very well done. I don't think that actually them. wasn't them. Yeah. Uh, oh, wasn't? Uh, no, that was not the voice actors themselves. Uh, those were other actors. Wow. I learned something new today. <laughs> you asked you know, who we chose in terms of, you know, Alexios and Cassandra. Did you guys find yourself choosing more, let's call them Paragon options, uh, or more like the evil dialogue choices when you were given the choice? I kind of, like, I had already played through the early hours a couple times, and I'd gone Paragon. So when I got it in my hands, I'm like, yeah, why don't I, I'll try to be evil and make evil decisions. And at the point I'm at now, I kind of regret that a little bit, just mm-hmm. because I've heard some spoilers and i realized like oh man i i, I might have cut off some uh, some story beats but you got the force lightning so that always that's helps. true yeah <laughs> <laughs> i can make luke skywalker writhe in pain it's great uh yeah i chose all paragon options usually in like the the bioware games i tend to play through twice uh i would usually do a paragon run then a full renegade run and then an extra run but uh odyssey is a bit long for that so i've just like the Paragon run is my run. I try to be as good as possible. I give people money. I'm, I'm always here to help a, a person out for free, which uh, doesn't always work out for me all the time. So yeah. uh, so I almost never like playing a game thinking, oh, I'm going to be all good or all bad. Um, I always try to make the choice just based off the situation itself and how it presents it. So uh, I don't know. Are we talking spoilers at all? Uh, let's try to avoid big yeah. time spoilers. Okay, so yeah, we'll mild avoid spoilers. Any big spoilers. Yeah. Um, but you know, if a character, if I felt like a character did me wrong, and I had the option to, you know, maybe 
save or or kill them i I would kill them. Um, but if there was a character that you know I particularly liked or um, I felt close to, I would typically go the the honorable route with them. Hmm. Yeah, I, I generally enjoy in, in some of the side missions that some of the choices don't necessarily break down to uh, pet the puppy or kick the dog. The choices tend to be a little bit more gray, uh, especially there's a side mission... Uh, with a young girl and her uh, make-believe friends. Oh, God, that's that, my favorite movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is definitely, like, it's not, neither choice is, like, Paragon or Renegade. It's just, like, how do you want to play mm-hmm. this specific choice? And, and I find that those are the missions and those are the choices that work really well on Odyssey. Yep. And they're not that sort of diametric good or evil kind of thing do you do you let a little girl stay in her destructive delusions or do you be mean and force her to go out and make some actual friends but it's it's interesting that we're talking about this because there is a certain character in this game slash historical figure one of the i think one of the best historical figures to appear in this series who further muddies the ethical waters you just said the general isn't self-serving when he brings order to his troops then you said he is self-serving because retreating would save the lives of his men? What are you trying to say? I never tried to say anything. But you just said those things. I said the words, but I didn't say anything at all. I only attempted to gain your view on the matter. I'm just asking questions. I don't understand why you're being so defensive. Can you define what the definition of is is? <laughs> no, Socrates, Socrates. Every time I met him, I was like, man, I wish I could kill you. <laughs> Socrates. I just love that Bill and Ted's yeah. is now giving us Socrates. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about him is it made me appreciate the facial animations of Cassandra so much more. Mm-hmm. Because almost every time you talk about or talk to him, she has this like eye roll at some point where she's just like oh god I can't believe I'm dealing with this dude again I just like he looks enough like John C. Riley that I just sort of imagine him as Steve Brule and it <laughs> makes those encounters more interesting I mean it does make you realize how insufferable like a philosopher would be in real life if you were trying to talk mm-hmm. to one and mm-hmm. he's just like no, just stop just no answer my question yeah I mean to be fair they're insufferable in real life as well yeah. <laughs> yes like, hey, I'm trying to invent the Socratic method over here. <laughs> You've never heard of this. It's, it, it won't be as annoying in 2,000 years. Trust me. <laughs> Giving up on impressions. That was, that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think our impression game is going a little odd here. No, that's like, that's total 70s film. Socrates goes to New York. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the sequel to Hercules in New York. Yes, with that's Arnold right. Schwarzenegger. That's yeah. when I was driving it. <laughs> It's safe to say you guys liked this. Are you are you playing the post-launch story arc at all? Uh, yeah, I'm. So generally, as, as reviews editor, once I've done a game for review, I have to move on to the next game in line, so I don't get to stop. But Odyssey is my. Oh well, I have some time here. Why don't I jump back and do more? Because once I finished the critical path of Odyssey, which was like. I want to say 80 hours. I still had like 40% of the map that I hadn't explored. So I peered out periodically just jump back in and uh, jump to the next island and start some more quests. So I, I've been playing uh, Legacy of the First Blade. I've been doing the, the Cyclops challenges and all that stuff. 
Uh, it's just a game I sort of slowly continue to play in the background of the rest of my life. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, actually. Um, it, it feels like a game where, and maybe it's just because I've put in, you know, 120 plus hours into it, um, but it just feels like a game I'm very comfortable with and I could take a month off of, come back to, and, and f- you know, know exactly what I'm doing. It's like a it's like a well worn in pair of shoes. You just feel comfortable in it. Um, and so, yeah, I've like I said, I've put in so many hours. I've I've played uh, the first episode of Legacy of the Hidden Blade. Um, I've completely platinumed it. Um, wow. There's I don't I don't think I have a single side quest lingering. Dang, Jeez. that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! All right, well, thanks, guys. Uh, we're gonna move on to number five. <laughs> If those noises don't immediately trigger something in the back of your head, you have not played this game very much. <laughs> yes. yes. God damn it. I'll call this the most video gamey video game on our list today. Yes. That's, that's fair. Who wants to say the title? What's a George say it? Dead Cells. Yeah. Yep. Nice. I feel like this game doesn't get enough credit. I, or actually, I feel like Hotline Miami specifically doesn't get enough credit for the things it inspired in this game. Because once Dead Cells gets going, and it was kind of a hard sell for me at first because it's like, eh, roguelite Castlevania, that's kind of weird. But when, once it gets going, like it's just lightning fast violence, kicking down doors to stun people, just stomping everywhere. Like I've gotten to the point where it's like, now fuck an elevator. I'm just gonna jump down a hole and <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, just the ground pound. Yeah, yeah, ground pound all the way down. Fuck, fuck a sword. I'm going to use a spiked boot to kick people into walls and pits. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, the animations alone are reason enough to play this game. Yeah. Well, those yeah. sounds alone you played, like you hear all those squishing and wood cracking and breaking apart because you are, mm-hmm. I think this is the, the, what you're talking about with the inspired design for Hotline Miami. You break through doors, which stuns the enemies, and then you got to kill those enemies. Yeah. You just launch right into them, start hammering on whatever buttons. Yeah. I see an archer, immediately execute a roll, launch about five arrows into them. Yep. Man. Or, or you toss a trap that shoots five arrows into him for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, despite how violent the game is, I spend most of my time being good at this game by just using traps and mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you quickly learn, like, yeah, with, I think part of that is in the with the early loadouts before you unlock the stuff, like, you don't, you know, you may not get great traps early, but they become, like, crucial in that game once you do unlock the good ones. Like, you're using those as often as you can because they're awesome. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize once you figured out you can carry over your money through, you can level up how much money you can carry over from death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then kind of boost the hell out of everything very fast. Well, that, I mean, that's the the, the roguelike elements is the, the roguelike you know, elements. Yeah, with, with, but with I don't the usually like those games. I, but like, there was something about that the randomness. I played this so much that I guess like eventually you can even start to read the randomness of levels. Like I know mm-hmm. there's going to be an exit down here. Mm-hmm. I know there's going to be a treasure down here I can kind of see that and once you learn to see it it's kind of the developer saying like you need to get through this much faster and we will reward you for doing so uh, for getting yeah, to yeah. later in the game there, there's, there's, just I love that shit stuff that like it took you a month to get to this area of the game a week later you can get to that same area in like five minutes mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Oh, well I will, so I will say there may be no worse feeling in gaming for 2018 than getting to a door and having it tell you this door sealed itself off 15 seconds, seconds ago. ago. Yeah, we're not even 15 seconds. You could see it counting down as you approach the <laughs> yeah. door. I should have checked my phone. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, I, I, the randomness is a good call out too because it's not just the levels. The weapons that you get are random. Yeah. 
And it does such a good job of forcing you to like, oh man, this I didn't get the traps that I wanted. I guess I'll see if this bow is any good. And then you discover, hey, this is actually really awesome to play this, but you won't get it the next run, so you'll have to adapt. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and at, at some point, because I, I have not finished the game, and I'm not pushing myself to, um, but I have become addicted to traps and incapacitation weapons. Mostly, I, I love my ice arrows. Um, mm. But you get to a later stage in the game and find out this isn't really going to help you because the enemies yeah. get too strong and too big and their mm. their range is too far. So you need to. I, I need to change up my old pattern, my old uh, my old go tos in order to get later in the game. It's a, it's a very strange dichotomy at yeah. this point. But and, I, and the fact that I'm still playing it almost six months later because it it is the kind of game you can pick up, play for half an hour, put it down, play in an airplane. I did get it on the Switch. I don't care if there's minute frame rate drops. I've never played it anywhere else. I it's never in, inhibited my gameplay experience. I'm always responsible for my own death, and I can see why. If anything, oh, I, I think love it helps it me. Switch. It helps me because it, it's it's not just frame rate. It like it, there's slowdown, like really slight slowdown. But actually, in that game, is it's like great. Now I can actually yeah, see what's going you. on and get my bearings a little bit more. You know, well, it the other thing is you could enough. you could even have a successful run of Dead Cells over in ten minutes. I mean, it's perfect for playing on the go. Oh yeah. yeah. And and I will say, like, I, I started playing this on PC, and I think, yeah, my first few attempts at it were, like, you know, 10, 20 minutes, and, like, getting killed after getting through a couple levels and discouraged, and yeah. then going back and realizing, like, no, no, it, it really is important. You will get better. You will be able to just fly through a fucking level. You, yeah. you will learn certain things, like, all these scrolls that I smash, they don't just raise my weapon damage percentages. They, they also, like... Uh, raise my HP a certain amount and it encourages you to pick different kinds of upgrades because every time you pick something like the amount that your HP will go up diminishes the next time around yeah. if you like pick a red whatever. Which is a strategic choice, right? Because uh -huh. you can say I'm going to go all red right. yeah. and not get as many HP but you will just be a combo machine in mm -hmm. like just using your melee weapons. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was kind of weird. I also picked it up on Switch the other day uh, for 20 bucks and like starting that game new and just like still being, <laughs> but retaining all oh, those God. skills and just being able oh, to God. smash just through everything. No it's shit. like the game is not expecting me to be this good this early. <laughs> oh, That's fine. I almost yeah. want to try that. Yeah. I, I feel like I've fought the cons, the concierge, like, uh, me? concierge, oh. like a, a dozen times now. And I, mm -hmm. it's been different every time. But like, I always use like wolf traps. At one point, I found like a flamethrower that you can throw out and yeah. just like yeah. tossed out wolf traps, flamethrower, then ice. To, to yeah. get behind him. Well, well the reason it's, it feels different every time, I, was, I would suspect, is it all depends on your loadout when you get yeah. to him, right? And mm -hmm. that's one of, the, one of the cool things about any roguelike, but particularly about this game, is, like, you can have a good run where you just get, like, the right combination of weapons, and it'll feel amazing. Yeah. And then sometimes you won't get that, and you won't have such a great run. But um, even though you can do little short sessions of this game, I think the mark of any good roguelike is you immediately want to hop back in and try again when you die. Yep. And this game yep. is nothing if not that. Like, this is a super addictive game where it's like, okay, I just got to give it one more go. I think I can do yeah. it this time. Yeah. It helps that certain things stay consistent. Like, it doesn't completely reshuffle everything when you die. Like, the same levels will still lead to the next level. Uh, it's like... Okay, I know that this place will lead to this place. This other place will lead to this other place. And yeah. but that's but that's great. When when I started getting better at the game, I realized those areas like I'll never set foot in this area again. Mm -hmm. Like no, go there. The rewards are better, and you're better, and you can reap better rewards yeah. by going to this area rather than the easy one. And gosh right. darn it, people like you. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it feels really good. And like, and the only thing I I don't like about it now is that like, if if I die in less than half an hour, something has gone very wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each one of my playthroughs now is half an hour, guaranteed. And if I go longer than that, I'm like, oh my god, and I get really tense. Yeah. Oh my god. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it has that. It has that thing like the Souls games have, where as you venture further and further away from that fire that you've been kind of grinding around, it gets a little scarier, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I don't, I'm not as familiar with this territory. I'm going to die much, yeah. much easier. Yes. Well, right. But also, like, I think they that recaptures something uh, that video games have been largely missing for a long time, which is sort of like that weird high, that gambler's high of like, I'm yeah. I'm doing everything so well. And I'm risking so much because I've gotten so far in over my head yes. that, like, the, the wrong move <laughs> is going to get me, like, you know, disintegrated in the middle of the village on stilts or whatever. And I, do, I do that all the time where I, I take that risk and I find a cursed mm-hmm. treasure chest, shove my fist in his mouth until blood flies out, and then the risk is you get rewards but if you take one more hit, you're dead forever and lose everything. Yeah, yeah it's a risk um, your luck uh, method. It's great. Mm-hmm. And, I, and every almost every time I take it and I just like, dude, that was dumb. You know that was dumb. You got your perfect <laughs> load out here. Why did you do that? And like, had to try, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try. Go big or go home. Yeah. Well, and there are times when it pays off and it, mm-hmm. it makes you run that much better. You know, you feel that much more prepared when you encounter the boss. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things with the loadouts that I really love is they they have combos like certain things stack really well together and so there's certain weapons it's like it does more damage you know x percent bonus damage to frozen enemies and so then you're ch- constantly chasing like okay now i need something that will freeze them and set that up for me uh, and when you get those combos you feel powerful as shit it's oh, amazing yeah. Yep. Yeah. and you can and you can remodify almost any weapon to, to to roll the dice and see if you get that stat boost yeah and so like i, mean, I personally love freezing the shit out of somebody rolling behind them and then if you get the assassin's blade which is a really fast, close-range sword. All the wep- all the damage you do to their back is like uh, quadrupled. Oh, I mean, it's pretty and- marvelous that it feels good almost no matter what weapon combination you have. And considering how many weapons there are in the game, it's insane that no matter which you pick, it'll feel like a you're being a badass. Yeah. I yeah. actually love just the beginning of mm-hmm. the game where you see how many weapons there are going to be because it has all those those floating glass beakers yeah, and containers. That yeah. feels so intimidating. But it's also basically showing you, like, here's how much you've progressed through this game because mm-hmm. if you have too many empty ones, you're yeah. like, okay, there's so much more to unlock. I, like, I was watching a tips video earlier, and it was saying, like, you should not feel compelled to fill all of these because everything you unlock yes. with the blueprints, that means that it goes into the rotation of randomized stuff that you'll get. Yeah. So right. if you unlock a bunch of shit that you don't like, you will have to deal with that a lot more often than you will the things that it's, you actually it's like. It's like a deck builder. Like, like mm-hmm. you know, people who play a lot of card yeah. games will know it's like, well, sometimes it's better to have fewer options because you'll have more chance of pulling those things, right? right. And what yeah. a lot of good yeah. roguelikes will do is they will actually have an option or a shopkeeper that will let you eliminate something from the rotation. Yeah, that's they awesome. Should have, they should have if I'd have known, it, 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 it's, it's Castlevania inspired, but if I'd have known how much I would hate the whip and never wanted it, I never would have. Un- <laughs> I never would have spent my souls to unlock D- it. Depends There's on. There's a whip. couple of good whips. Yeah, Are like there? I like yeah, the whips th- that will just like zoom in on whatever, like hone in on whatever enemy you're facing. Like even flying enemies will just auto target it. And the, the electric whip feels pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. badass. Dude. I like the whip that pulls them towards you because then you could combo it with like a melee kick. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, and it's also weird that like, I I didn't realize until I started playing on the Switch. It's like, wait, these these characters have semi-voiced lines. 
I know that sounds like a bunch of slashes or something played at 45 RPM, but that's actually the collector's voice the first time you meet him. And he never has a voice again. It's just text after that point. I do really like the minimalist use of sound, and mm-hmm. I think, weirdly, it's probably because of how much I played it, yes, but it has my favorite, some of my favorite game game music of the year. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, video game music, where yeah. they don't have a 70-piece orchestra or, or a live band. What's well, even minimalist yeah. story, like, one of the things I do love, because you are trying to get through this as fast as you can, mm-hmm. they have those little, like, candle things that sparkle when it pauses time, so you know, like, oh, I can actually mm-hmm. sit and read some... I, right. It's not quest text, but it's 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 like those environmental storytelling. It's like, oh, I came across this corpse. Now I need to discover it. Oh, they might, yeah. they might be holding a power-up or something mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. Or maybe I'll just look at this uh, statue of the king for the umpteenth time and wonder how he can see with that helmet on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Wonder if this, this will be a b- ability I eventually unlock and can interact with this in a more significant way. Mm. Yeah. Well, like the mm. weird guy that was will be at like doors and like not let you in or ask you to go do him favors and yeah. stuff. There's a lot of mystery to that. Go find this rune for me. I won't be here when you come back, by the way. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very... I hate to draw these comparisons. It's very Soulsy in, in that way, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that your currency is stuff you pick up from a dead dude and you can lose it all with one hit. I it's think we should be comfortable calling things a Souls-like at this point. Well, you know? I, this is a Souls-like. You know what's funny is like there is already a 2D Souls-like that is one of my favorite games of like the last five years, which is Salt and Sanctuary. Hmm. And interestingly enough, like this game is completely different than that. That is very much like Souls-paced where you go slowly through and you memorize enemy positions. And, and of course, you can't mm-hmm. do that here. This is a roguelike. Like there is no memorization it's going to be different next time around yeah but this game even though it's such a different game type and the action's different it still captures a lot of those souls like elements which, well, which really just shows you how deep that formula is i would right? disagree there is a lot of memorization because you have to get to the point where every time you see an enemy you instantly know their tell oh, you yeah. know what yeah, to oh, yeah, do yeah. when the zombie groans you know like okay this is my cue to roll forward yes. sure because sure. it's going to mm-hmm. leap at me but i mean in the souls like where it's like i know exactly where enemies are placed in this level and what i need to be doing at this time like mm-hmm. it doesn't have that yeah, it doesn't yeah. let you no. right and but so, to, to me here's here's the beauty of the game and you kind of you had this uh, Keanu Reeves mean epiphany about like 20 hours in the game. Like, no one ever told you you have to kill anything. But you do because you want those sweet, sweet rewards. Mm-hmm. You can move through the game without landing a lethal blow pretty easily. You're the one who's deciding to engage with all these enemies Ooh. like this. Ooh, is this a spoiler? Is this like uh, something? It's not, it's not a spoiler, but, but that's what, essentially what the time gates are for. When you eventually get to the point where, like, is this getting repetitive? No one said you had to yeah. do it, man. Oh, Run to the really end. It takes 20 seconds. It's about value and, and teaching you that you're confident enough, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't need every single piece of experience in order to get that far. Once you get that far, your skill alone will carry you through the second level. Right. Like You don't need and, the best of the best. Well, and you definitely should, when you're starting out, engage with as much stuff as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it'll just make you better, well, but like... Yeah, that's that's the only closest thing to a spoiler the game has. You don't have to fuck with everything. And can you guys clarify, because I'm a coward and haven't tried, but I get the impression, in, at least in the early game... You can touch certain enemies without taking damage, right? Like, they only do damage if they do their attacks on... Well, I know the rolls, but I mean, if you just walk up against a zombie and it's not doing the slash attack... Yeah, you know, I I think so. A little body rub? (laughs) 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 A little bit, you know, want to get in closer? Find out who they are, Mm -hmm. where they're from? I don't know, that's a good question. I I don't think anything would happen to you for most of them, yeah. Yeah, no, you definitely can, I believe. Like, you can run past an archer as long as his arrow isn't drawn, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a little uh, little bomb monster. You can run past him. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't recommend getting close to most of these things, yeah. but 
Yeah, no, yeah, that little monster with like uh, that that turns into bombs that explode after you kill it. Oh, that yeah. thing. But just Ugh. roll, yeah. just roll. The worms. Uh, oh, yeah. Just roll, baby. Yeah, the worms. Yeah. Yeah. Or you set up a, a like a, a turret gun and you, you customize your loadout so you reduce the cooldown time. Mm-hmm. It's all things that like when I saw I usually see on paper I think are super complicated, but the game is really good about wading you into this stuff because you can't unlock all this shit immediately. You just got to work with being like. I love that about it. it. It gives you very little shit at the beginning, and you got to start with the basics. And once you learn that, everything gets easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you get better. I mean, it, it yeah. is one of those games As you where, get better, yeah, yeah, you actually do get good if you play it more. And it's not, it's not like this. It shouldn't be super intimidating to a lot of people. Like you're, oh, I'm never going to have the time to get good. It's like no, the, the game does a really good job of of kind of ramping up that difficulty as you learn. Uh, so that, yeah, it, it does feel really rewarding as you get better. If you, if you have a Switch or a laptop and you want a great game for flight travel where you can't hear your cutscenes, <laughs> this is what you do. Dead, Dead cells. cells. There you go. Mm-hmm. And it's always going to be less than $30. <laughs> by like one, one penny usually. Well, let's move on to... Number four. You're on the A-list, right? Huh. meow do I'm not psychic, but I do have... Pretty good ears. Ah, put her there. I happen to be an A-lister myself. (laughs) Welcome back, Brett, who's joining us for which game? This is Monster Hunter World. Oh, it is. Cold Cold World. Yes. (laughs) Meowdy-doo. That's how far the the wave file can go. (laughs) Now you know. And knowing is is still kind of my number one. Uh, this is definitely my number one game of the year. Um, even if I didn't work there, uh, the many years that we've spent playing, Chris and I especially playing Monster Hunter, back in three Ultimate into four Ultimate uh, generations, and now uh, Monster Hunter World, like you know, hundreds of hours put into this, and it's just been both as a fan and as an employee, it's just been such an amazing year to see this series blow up the way it did. Um, like it came back, came out way back in January. So it's kind of hard to refresh your memory and all that, but I was playing this game literally even last night. So it just has a lot of life to it and a long tail. And that's what's, we were always so excited to see what'll happen when it finally gets on, you know, when the new next big one comes out, like what, what, what's that going to do to the audience? Mm -hmm. And everyone showed up and it was so cool. Like the whole prior year, 2017 going to New York comic con packs and just the lines, like always max capacity, always people playing, and ever since the game launched to uh, really drive home the point I tried to make in the 20 best games of all time about 4 <laughs> Ultimate and none of you all didn't vote on it. Now <laughs> you all I know did. and you're all like, oh, maybe Monster Hunter is the best game of the year. It's in the past. I, I voted for it, uh, didn't me I? Me and Chris Come voted on. for it, but mm-hmm. we almost got into the Gungeon on because of Dave, <laughs> which, is, which uh, is also a good game. Um, whenever, whenever I compliment Monster Hunter World... I feel like I'm taking a giant shit over every Monster Hunter that came before it because the game fixed slash streamlined so many things I didn't recognize as problems, but made them made the whole game so fucking fast. And I did. I also didn't think of it as a downside that the game was sort of sort of like stuck on handhelds until it actually got online. Fun- like just the online functionality. I love. I love the SOS signal. Yeah, the it's SOS perfect. signal being able to. I want to hunt this thing in this type of quest, or I just want to help other people. And you just yeah. either fire a flare up yourself or search for that. 
and and, and it, somebody somebody always comes even when you're playing at like like four in the morning a yeah. helpful person with a Japanese name comes in and beats the hell out of a monster with you uh, yeah and th- I mean that's what even going back to what I was saying about four ultimate uh, two years ago for that thing like all those same things apply it's this feeling of getting people in a group or even if you play by yourself but the real meat of the game is the multiplayer and the way this game yeah weaves you in and out of the story that you can play alone or online the you know the past games really segmented these two areas where there's the online portion and there's this story this game it's totally woven in if you want to play it by yourself you can but at any point people can jump in jump out you can join someone else's story and it counts towards your progress mm. like being able to get you into the coolest parts of the game which are fighting monsters carving their materials making new weapons, making new armor, and then fighting even bigger and crazier monsters. And then, especially when you get into high rank and you get into the tempered monsters and you get towards the end of the game where the stakes keep rising and the mystery of this this new continent that you've landed on where they keep discovering new and crazier monsters. Like, it does such a good job of escalating the scale of the creatures, the, the abilities that you have as a player, like introducing new concepts even hours in. It's just that feeling of being... Like, it is something I've wanted since I was a little kid, right? Like, you would see, like, artwork in games, especially, like, Atari era or even old GamePro covers, where they would show, like, people attacking a giant cyclops or a dragon. And for years as a kid, like, no game ever matched that. Like, you could trick your brain into, like, I'm doing that thing now. And Mm -hmm. for moments, you could get lost in the game and be like, Zelda, I was fighting Aquamentus. I was fighting a dragon. That was super cool. But... I was moving X and Y coordinates and striking another thing with this wooden sword that to right. scale doesn't make any sense because this dragon is barely half twice the size of Link, who's a kid. What is even happening? You are a roving hitbox extending a probe at another roving hitbox. Yeah, and even as a little kid... Man, I keep knocking this thing over. I'm gestating, gestating. I'm gesturing too much. But Monster Hunter was that first game that, for me, finally made me feel like I am in this with other people fighting this wild creature that doesn't care at all that we are here and just wants to wreck us up. <laughs> and especially some of the later monsters when they're really big and they're like, they introduce new attacks that you didn't even know were coming and just watching people scramble and react and like someone then jumps off something 10 stories up and now they're riding the monster and you're all scrambling to carve stuff up or heal yourself or calling out like, okay, I'll go over here. I'll go over here. I'll go over here. Like that feeling, that hectic pace and we're in it together it's what makes the game super fun. And then, like Chris said, this streamlines so many of those things that the the older games were like, well, if you're a fan, you know how to navigate some of these menus. Like, World is still a complex game. There's a lot of menus. There's a lot of options. But it, it does make it much easier to get into the coolest parts faster. And I'm just so happy that so many people... Like, it sold over 10 million units worldwide, which is... That's fucking nuts. Best Capsum, best-selling Capcom game ever, ever right? Yeah. Ever. ever. So, and Monster Hunter went from like, oh, it's that thing that's big in Japan, and it's got a big following outside Japan, but, it, you know, Japan is where it really rules. And World was, no, everybody is on board now. And that was so cool to see. And even meeting, continuing to even meet fans, like, out at Comic-Con or PAX, like... The Monster Hunter community is super cool and is always just ready to help. And you, like playing with 3DS is like you just flip open that lid and be like, who who needs what? Like, let's just let's hunt. What do you want? Like, oh, I want to go do this. Absolutely. And now the people all over the world are doing that with World. It's just the best possible mixture of like streamlining an existing game, enhancing it in all these other ways. It looks gorgeous. Um, I just couldn't be happier and yeah because of that played it hundreds of hours and love man i so listening to you talk about the multiplayer this game is number three on my list 
That is despite the fact that I only ever play it solo. I've only engaged with this game wow. single player. Still spent mm. hundreds of hours in it. It's still, to me, my number three game of the year. It's it's ama- It's even an amazing single player experience. I just don't like online multiplayer, engaging with other people, having mm. to wait for... I, I don't like any of that stuff, even though I... Mm. What I'm hearing, though, I mean, this this makes it very easy. But even as a solo experience, this is still, like, one of my favorite games of the year. This was, I'll be honest, my first true Monster Hunter mm. experience. I had tried out mm. 4 Ultimate yeah. uh, on 3DS, and just, you know, it was, it was like, hurting my hands to even just play that demo. And so I'm like, I, I can't. I'm not going to do mm. this. I can't do this. So, uh, But I was super excited for this game when it came out. And sure enough, it did hook me. I think one of the reasons it finally got its dug its claws in um no pun intended about a monster game is um uh i in the interim of probably trying out uh, hunter ultimate four or whatever four ultimate i'm sorry um i really got into souls games and i hate to do the souls comparison thing but i will say every big kind of late game monster in monster hunter is a dark souls boss like there's, there's there's a lot of a lot of the same things like in in dark souls you know true like high level dark souls you have to read tells you have yeah, to yeah, you have to sure. see what's happening with the bosses and 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 they have you know little little slight tells and little things they do just one one or two frames difference and and that's how you know what attack they're going to come out and you, you have to nail your timing and you have to quote unquote get good um monster hunter world absolutely demands the same things of you um but it just demands you're, you're doing it hundreds of times over with mm. the same bosses without requiring that you know, in, in Dark Souls, once you once you beat a boss, you've done, unless you want to engage with the PvE, like helping other people, mm. uh, or go through New Game Plus, New Game Plus, 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 you know, whatever. So, yeah, to me, I, I just, I think maybe that's why this finally clicked, is like, mm. I love the Souls experience, and I'm like, oh, I get this now. I'm, It's up to me to read mm-hmm. these monsters and to learn <laughs> their behavior and to learn their tells and, and then engage accordingly. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just, I don't know. I, I, there's so much that I think is perfect about the moment to moment of this game because because brett you were mentioning like you, you know you get with a group of friends you're like what do you need i'm just i'm just happy to go along and help you i think part of that is just the moment to moment gameplay of this game it is always fun it's, like it's yeah. it is it is really good gameplay um but it also has the carrots and the really good progression that any good rpg has like mm. you can craft probably literally over 100 different weapon the variations I mean, a lot. in this game there's, there's 14 weapons and multiple trees for each right. so yeah. there's a lot and it, like you said reading tells and stuff this game a really fun way i would reduce it down to one sentence is like punch out beat street fighter yes rpg there you go, there you, go. Where you need to be reading like <clears throat> and, and with with all the pros that come from that right of like yeah punch out and street fighter you can play punch, you can play either one casually and have a blast and or you can really di- dive into animation frames and like reading tells that are really nuanced and all that stuff and then get to a point where you are absolutely destroying the game in a good way or you can just play and be good at it in a in a like general good where like yeah I can finish the game and hang in most difficult fights um, but when you mix that stuff when you find the weapon that clicks for you when you find that monster you're like I love fighting this monster it's not about beating a boss it's about fighting this creature who is not going to behave the exact same way every time like different things will happen obviously they have a finite number of moves at the end of the day but yeah just but you need to be ready for all of them in any order yeah Mm -hmm. it's got it's just it the way they move and behave just feels so much more like oh this this rathalos does not behave like the anginath does not behave like a basil geese does not behave behave like a devil joe like these things when you see them like i have to completely change how i approach this Mm -hmm. i need to change 
potentially the element you know what weapon i'm bringing in like right. i play hunting horn so i'm thinking about what songs i want to play to buff people in different ways if you have a dragon element weapon you may think i need to switch to ice or fire or sleep and it's, who's bringing this who's bringing that like it's so deep it's as deep as you want it to be which to me yeah. is like that's street fighter and punch out like you can yeah. it's as deep as you want that experience yeah. to be and i think that's what i was saying is i only engage with the single player so i'm missing out on this it sounds like 80 percent of the game the way you describe it yeah. i only specialize in one weapon and that's because it was it clicked for me that the charge blade oh that's a good one. i love the charge it's blade. really strong it's not supposed to be like a beginner weapon though it's supposed to be sort no, of that's an advanced weapon yeah. and so like yeah i i did it all wrong like if you were to tell someone here here's how you get into monster <laughs> hunter you would not say start with the charge blade play alone Probably and yet not. i did it and still love this game that's but cool. that's what's crazy is well, everybody I says have, like start with the dual blades right well dual blades or, or the, never leave them the one big there's like the one big sword there's a like great sword there's, yeah. yeah great sword yeah. long sword and dual blades are generally the the go tos, or even yeah. hammer. I've been is... playing with the great sword and like just fighting a pukui pukui early on. Like, mm. just keep like I'm facing the wrong way. I'm oh, rolling yeah. around. Yeah. What yeah. am I doing? I mean, that's monster striking blindly. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you you get locked into animations, and you, you will eventually figure that stuff out. And some of them you can cancel out of, but yeah. Yeah. just when and where. And then, but the more you play, the more you see that monster, you're like. I'm not even going to go for this attack because I know I'm not going to hit it. Mm. But then it's about getting them in a position where now I got you. Oh, man. And you just charge it up and whack. I mean, Mm. but I have hundreds of hours just with that one weapon. And I'm still, like, crafting new variations of that weapon. And it's like, that's the thing. I'm only engaging with, like, a fraction of this game. And it's still taking up hundreds of hours. And so... That's pretty cool. And like you mentioned, it's an ongoing game. Like, they've they've been having live events the entire year. They had, like, that Ryu gear thing. Yeah. And and I think they just did one... uh, they just launched one maybe for, for the holiday season. Like there, there's there's all kinds of stuff still happening in the game. Yeah, some of the fun stuff that launched like even mid year was like this Cold Teroth, which is a, a brand new entirely different game type of of a siege type of quest where you fight this thing over and over and it drops random loot at the end and then tons of different variations of these golden weapons. But it was a brand new unique monster that was free, Devil Joe, Lunastra, all these other creatures that trust me they look amazing. Uh, but th- just uh, you know, supporting the game for free, and like you said, Street Fighter collaborations, Devil May Cry, Mega Man, um, tons of fun stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, I just could go on and on, yeah. and it's just been, like I said, that, that that community is so fun. And when you meet another Monster Hunter fan, we had a USA Tournament uh, Championships in July, and hanging out with fans and just seeing the cosplay they put on and talking to them about what what weapon do you play? What's your favorite monster? Like, how, what was your what was your decoration set for this blah 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 and off you, off you go and it's just everyone's in always such a supportive helpful mode and to me that's why if you've been playing a lot of single player the multiplayer is also good because I play with I don't know, nobody has a headset on like you just come in help everyone knows what they're there to do I'm here to help you and then the moment you're done everyone disbands and you're like cool thank you and then everyone disappears and then like alright I'm gonna jump back in a totally different group of people and it's always a fun experience. Uh, totally. Awesome. And and I hope I hope people can see where I got cynical to a lot of games. The I, the stupid big boss fight has been around for a long time, but you essentially stay alive until you hit a interactive button, and then just a cutscene <laughs> unfolds. Since I've been playing Monster Hunter, I'm like, no, dude, this is how you fight a big bad thing, and no game is really doing it except this one. And now it looks like every other game. It was very satisfying. And look, I just want it to occasionally open its mouth and reveal a giant glowing orb that I can hit. Um, I mean, they have yes. there is a, there's <laughs> yeah. boss battles in this game that do similar stuff. Right? Yeah, I think there's a boss you're literally 
you're climbing on and you have yeah. to hit these like special gems or yeah. the crystal. There's usually and... almost always some kind of like event kind of boss that's yeah. so big that as mm-hmm. to be and this one it's yeah, Zora Magnaros of it's a mountain. Oh. It's basically a mountain that moves. Yeah. I have a sound for that. The latest monster to make the Elder Crossing is known as Zora Magdaros. I know. A huge monster with a mountain of fire. I, on its I know. Back. The research commission's job is to discover exactly why the Elder Dragons are migrating to the New World. That's the other thing. I, I like that this has uh, a more coherent plot than a lot of other monster hunters have had for, for that single player experience. And it's also like. Well, technically, you're a monster conservationist. You mm. just end up killing a lot of monsters in the process. Mm. You're there to in- investigate the new world mm-hmm. and what's going on there. Yeah. And there's stuff going on. And that this uh, this giant dragon who's basically a volcano level is uh, <laughs> yeah. wandering around. Pretty much. <laughs> but I, I do like that even the single-player campaign uh, seems to unsubtly drive home the importance of co-op. You have quite the eccentric group here. All of them talented, unique, driven. You all seem willful of your own mind, but when the time comes, you join together and become a force to be reckoned with. I suspect there is no trial you could not collectively overcome. Online. Online together. <laughs> I, I still maintain, like, there is, there has been no game, even before I, you know, when I, we started playing back in 3 Ultimate, uh, that has quite hit me the same way uh, like the online experience, the multiplayer experience for Monster Hunter of just like four people just that feeling of you're under, I liken it kind of to say that the same the same similar thing I get playing like Left 4 Dead or the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer or things like that where you're in a group and you really feel like we're in this together and it is us against the world and blah blah and you're like communicating frantically and that's what Monster Hunter is, but with instead of like robots or zombies or giant whatever, it's like it, they just do such a good job of making these creatures feel very distinct to the point where you, even though you fight this thing a hundred times, you're like yeah, I love this monster. It just looks cool. I love its roar. I love the way it it moves and the, the way the textures stretch and the way the muscles like they look super mm-hmm. realistic now. And it's uh, yeah, it's just I love the hat I made out of its oh, face. Oh yeah, and then I uh, <laughs> made a little dress out of it. It's mm-hmm. great. Nice. Dressed nice. my cat up in it. <laughs> Yeah, the animations on the monsters are like super fluid, and there's like so much that they can do. It mm. really is a lot of stuff to, to it, sort of memorize. It is one of the best games, best looking games of the year. Even though this came out toward the yeah. beginning of the year, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of held that title. Like it, it, it's up there. Can we please acknowledge that? I think this game would rank much higher if it didn't come out in January. Um, I, I think. The thing is, though, so I said it was my number three. Brett, you're you're mm. saying it's probably your top game in yeah. the year, or maybe one or two. And then Chris, you're saying so. I mean, Michael, we have yet to hear from you. Is being put on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I saw you. Question. I saw you unlocking basic trophies the other day. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we can we can get the scout out. flies are a big improvement, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah, even like little quality of life things like that. Like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You would have to say, like, you you literally need to go hunt the monster. It's not going to tell you, here it is, and here's how much life it has, and here's how close you are to killing it. It's You have to read all these tells, and you got to just wander until you find it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the scout flies in world direct you to key items or to even where the monster is. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, for a long-time player, you're probably like, what? Why? Uh, you can't trust me to just go find it? But in a world that's now not segmented into these zones, like the older games where this is one cohesive map, mm-hmm. and with no zones to really like, oh, I'm in zone six, I'm in this one, this one. 
Um, and they're still numbered, but it's much yeah. easier when it's one big world, well, right? Well, for me, I think playing the older ones, like, that was always a source of frustration for me. It's like, I find the monster after however long searching, I beat it up for a while, and then it runs away, and yeah. then I have to figure out where did it go to, yeah. Yeah. and searching the map again. And so the scout flies kind of remove that. Like, a little bit, yeah. And, and they, to, to a degree, they're optional, because you kind of have to activate them i think to... yeah you have to collect the tracks to trigger yeah. them more or less yeah. um but then the more you collect them sometimes eventually you get to a point where you land in the map and find a track and it just goes hey here the monster's here because you've collected yeah. enough tracks to raise your ecological profile for that creature yeah right. that's one thing i love is the more you fight a monster the more you know about it and it becomes easier to to kill that monster a because you've gotten better at mm-hmm. killing that monster but also be like the game helps you a little bit where none of there's none of this finding stuff anymore is is you reach a point where it'll just stay on your map. Like if, yeah. if you open the map screen mm-hmm. and it runs away, it's like, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you yeah. can fast travel to this other this other camp and uh, zip over there. And okay, now I'm fighting it over here. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the the <clears throat> kind of preparing yourself for a monster fight. Like that's one of the things. Even though this game does a much better job of holding your hand or guiding you and, and helping. Like there's even stuff like Chris had to tell me after I'd been playing like 50 hours. He's, I was like, man, I hate that I have to go back to the main base camp to change out my loadout. He's oh like, yeah. He's like, you can just do that from from your tent. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you could go inside your tent in camp. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh shit. And so it's like they they it's still not like all there for you like sure. up front. There's still a little bit of stuff, but it is way. My understanding is it's way better than it ever was. Like there was like what to the point there's controversy that people are like, what you can. You can have this many sharpening stones or something like that. Or I mean, it's, it's infinite sharpening sure. stones. There's just stuff where it's like, yeah, I don't want to have to go create whetstones. Yeah, like, whetstone, I just want to be able to sharpen my weapon. Um, and I feel like even when I play something like Pokemon Let's Go, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see how, you know, I was there for red and blue. I was there for gold and silver. Like, I get how some of these streamlined things may feel like, wait, you're taking that away or you're you're streamlining this. But then as I play it, I'm like, well, yeah, the 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 meat of the game that I love is all of this stuff. So anything that gets me to that stuff quicker, I'm kind of on board for that. Um, and I think let's go does a few things where you're like, Oh yeah. Instead of having to deal with moves in this way, it's like not because you can just learn cut and all this stuff and you don't have to waste, uh, teaching another Pokemon this and then keep them there forever to anyway, <laughs> how uh, do we get into Pokemon? Uh, but it's just like these, these streamlined quality of life improvements that uh, world has a bunch of those, especially compared to prior, prior games. But, uh, yeah, I also love the turf wars between the monsters. Like, there's, like, yeah. unique animations. Mm. Like, watching Double Joe, like, pick up other creatures and smash the hell out of them. Or Nergigante and Teostro will get into this huge, full-on kaiju where they are... J- and you're just like, oh, everybody get out of here. Um, yeah. Or when Basil Geese comes flying in, B-52 style, just dropping these exploding, you know, shards off of his body. And it's just chaos. And that's that's my absolute favorite moment is when everyone is like what is happening while two monsters fight each other and they do not care that you're there at all yeah um, and, and the way you get out of it is what i do in real life you fling poo at one monster oh, yeah, yeah. and that'll make him run away yeah. just get out of here you yeah i love it. well okay yeah i mean <laughs> once a week <laughs> um, but yeah i long, long story short i just uh it was so cool to see this take off like it did and i think it absolutely deserves it and i love this game and even if I didn't work there, I would still be playing it. Because even when I took time off and was doing laser time, mm-hmm. we were still playing Monster Hunter. <laughs> so you were you were working through your vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to number three. No, people don't use banks anymore. You're lucky you found actual cash. If you really want to rob banks. <laughs> 
Try day trade. It's all the rage. Yeah, Herman. What the fuck? Is this hit, the mm. hit show Herman's head? It is the hit show Herman's head from the 90s. The video game from Insomniac? <laughs> yeah. Just imagining that I, as a I, box blurb from the 90s. <laughs> I do want to say 2018 was the year where the console exclusive mattered for the first time in a while. Mm. Sony had two that mattered. Big. For a long... I didn't know you could make a new experience out of a Spider-Man game. I thought I'd seen kind of the end-all, be-all representation of his powers and traversal. But I really, really... I really fucking like this. And I, I haven't platinumed a, a platinum game ever oh, well. out of principle. And I did it on accident here. Yeah. Because it was... I could have... Yeah, I could have finished the game and put it down anytime I wanted, but I just yeah, couldn't. Yeah, this is a... I, I'm not a huge fan, uh, just personally. I feel like... Well, I guess I got burned out on multiple open world games that to me became like a list of tasks to accomplish mm. um, and I mm. usually have about one in me a year and this was a case where I played a couple of them this year because they were just really good and Spider-Man was definitely one where I got a platinum in it as well because by the time I finished the game I looked at what was left and I'm like well I think just the natural course of me enjoying playing this I've already done most of this so might as yep. well finish it out yeah, wrap it up. And yeah, I mean, like you said, between something like Web of Shadows, which I really enjoyed, or even going back to Spider-Man Two on, on PS2 and Xbox era, you, it did seem hard. Like, well, what could you really do? We've we've seen the open world, we've seen Manhattan, we've gone back to you know like Shattered Dimensions, where it was more of a focused experience. Then we went back to the open worlds with Amazing Spider-Man. Like, what could you really do? And the thing that really stuck with me was um, clearly some lessons about combat taken from the Arkham games, um, like those instant takedowns oh, yeah. and things like that. I felt were kind of nods to Batman but this I love what they did with the story and the cast of characters and the era they set him in because it's an era that mm -hmm. I didn't play every Spider-Man game in the last 10 years but I didn't see this era represented super well mm -hmm. the Mr. Negative big time brand new day era of Spider-Man which okay. yeah All which right. was a huge reboot where they're just like they wrote themselves into a corner the comics got real dire and sad and every issue I picked up in the mid 2000s was like Will you stop being so mean to Peter Parker? Like, in a, in issues where he's having his eyeball ripped out and oh, eaten. I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, how is this relatable in any way? And and why would I want to see Spider-Man go through this? Like, what, are you crazy? And then then they do the, the divorce with Mary Jane. It's like how Mephisto magics it and consumes it. Right, like, yeah. But for me, I'm like, great. Whatever magic wand you got a wave to get us to a point where it's fun again, I don't care what it is. Let's go. And then they did, and that introduced Mister Negative, uh, the Feast Center, like the homeless shelter that Mary, uh, Aunt May works at, mm -hmm. and that sets up this whole era that this game takes place in. But it's not just yeah, it's that place from the comics. It is its own universe where he has already fought kind of your B squad. He's fought Rhino and Electro and Vulture. All the bit players are all there. And he, you, you find out through the backpacks or through dialogue or newspapers and even through cutscenes. Yeah, he's fought all these people. But you get to watch the journey of Dr. Octopus. And then even yeah, you can see the you know where you're going with Green Goblin and like how it's going to yeah. get there. And you're like, there seem to be t at least two people he hasn't fought yet when the game starts. Peter Parker, how the hell are you? Speak of the devil. Mr. Osborne. Oh, please. How long have we known each other? It's Mr. Mayor. <laughs> it's Norman. Norman! Norman, what do you think you're doing? 
Yeah, I love that. And you get mm-hmm. to watch them be at each other's throats. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, those are the two big bads for Spider-Man. It's always going to be Green Goblin, Doc Ock, and Venom. It's There's no way around that. Mm-hmm. And well, it starts with Kingpin, too, which to me yeah, is which is a great way to start. Bad. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, and he ends up sort of helping you throughout oh, yeah. the game, mm-hmm. sort of. He's yep. at least calling you. But I think that, don't they establish... This game takes place about five years after he gets his power. Like they, they straight up say a number. It's like between five and eight years after he's first. It was something that made me shriek because <laughs> it's like you find one of those backpacks and it's like, um, it's a ticket to some show at Madison Square Garden, and he says something along the lines of, "Oh, that's." Right when I got my powers in the years like 2013 or something, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> no, it wasn't. That's right, it was that's the right. 60s. It was the fight. It was the fight with Bone Swan. Oh, was it? It's yeah. right. I'm, I'm sure that the Kingpin voice actor did a great job, but when I'm trying to remember him, all I can all I can think of is like, if you can guarantee the lives of my men, yeah. I will tell you what I know. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I still just hear the Sega CD Kingpin for some reason. <laughs> Citizens of New York. <laughs> I don't know. I, I applaud the way they approached the characters because, like Arlem, Ar- like Arkham, they, <laughs> like, uh, like Batman Harlem like Asylum, Arliss, the think, HBO series, like, like the Arkham, think, like Arlem like was the Arkham games, <laughs> <laughs> like like Arkham, the Arkham games trusted everyone. Like you know who fucking Batman yeah. is. We don't yeah. need to show you his parents or anything like that. You know who these characters are. This game. Did that, but was very comfortable reintroducing you to characters you already knew that you yeah. knew, and, and I didn't. I just. I don't know. I didn't know they were going to take that approach to it. And then also just simple things like the freaking photo mode and all the costumes and oh, just yeah. all the yeah. silly situations you can find yourself in. Where playing in this open world became one just I, on a personal thing. Just swinging around as Spider Man is like a childhood fantasy of mine, mm-hmm. and. This game, I thought, did a great job, like running up the way you run up buildings, and obviously the draw distance and the scale of the city, and all these tiny details, getting across that feeling of free fall and why Spider-Man's powers matter and why he's an interesting mm-hmm. hero. In that, his powers have some relationship to something even people without powers can relate to. He's strong, but he's not infinitely strong. He can't fly. He has mm-hmm. to obey the laws of physics and gravity. He's just superhuman yeah. and supernatural. But and, when you and see he's his... a genius, which is why he has the web shooters. Yes. That, yeah. And not just born with them pack or whatever. A, pack a ton of web fluid into a very, very tiny yeah. space. But that to me, that's a game concession where it's like, I don't care how he gets the web fluid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but like, I it, it also, it does start veering into like the Tony Stark era of Spider-Man a bit with some of these gadgets. But mm-hmm. I'm like, again, from a gameplay perspective, I get why you want this stuff because if it's just him swinging around with webs and maybe impact webs... Or a couple of tripwire things. Okay, yeah. yeah. Does Spider-Man need an anti-gravity juggling thing? I don't know. But yeah. it's fun to juggle people and have them hover there and kick them off buildings. Yeah, uh, he does need the little spider mines so that, uh, you know, when he kicks people off a roof, yeah, he won't yeah. kill them. <laughs> yep. I Man, the first time I did that where I was just web swing and off he goes, I'm like, ooh. Oh, okay, he's fine. Yeah. yeah. Even though They're that's how Gwen Stacy died, but it's fine. Uh, Everybody's yeah. safe. <laughs> it's the fall that kills you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just felt like the, the combat was was the most engaging I'd felt in any Spider-Man game. I thought Web of Shadows did a good job of trying to find a new way to present you combat. But mm-hmm. um, this, I, I did every challenge area. Yeah. I, I just did it all. I just loved the fluidity of Spider-Man, the animations, and making you feel like Spider-Man. And yeah. Yeah. just the effort. The, it For me, the big thing that comes through in the animations are his the effort. What I was saying, like, he's strong, but he still has to put his effort into it so like stopping the cars 
with his feet dug in the ground or like trying to carry multiple things at once. It still feels like he's a relatable human who's trying very hard. Whereas Superman or anyone who can fly, it's like, well, I don't know what it means to fly. I can't. I, I imagine it's cool. Actually, I don't did, know. Mm-hmm. But I understand the visual notice, language of someone struggling to stop a car. Did you notice that they uh in the open world sections they do two they have they did two takes on the dialogue. Mm-hmm. One where Spider Man is struggling and kind of grunting yeah. through his dialogue and one where he's stationary. Yeah. Whereas if you do play the Arkham games, Batman is never out of breath. <laughs> he's he's pulling himself through the air and never uh, exerting he's himself at all. Control. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, he's all Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And doesn't yeah. this it kind of unofficially bridges the like, or it kind of rewrites the ultimate timeline a bit, where like it 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 bridges Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Uh, or yeah, it, I mean, it seems like it's just yeah, it's sort of the big time era, but it's also just not tied to any movie or any particular thing. And I feel like they're trying to make their own their own universe. Right, yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, Miles is just here. He's just a kid in New York. Right. I feel like they did a really good job of making the interplay between Peter Parker and uh, Mary Jane really interesting. That the, the whole thing about, like, she wants to be his partner, mm. and they keep having these sort of will-they-won't-they they awkward post-breakup conversations, for example. Everybody has their weakness. Mine is whatever you're cooking right now. <laughs> it smells amazing. The chicken curry. Uh, it just needs some time to simmer. No dumplings, I hope. You're never going to let me live that one down, are you? Nope. The great dumpling catastrophe. I still can't believe they evacuated the entire building. I know, and in January, too. Your neighbors hated me. Yeah, they were pretty happy when we broke up. (laughs) Yeah. Is that Nickelback in the background? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) A hero could save us! (laughs) Oh, oh, man, the dumpling joke, though. Mr. Does, Saliva. It's played out over the course of that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you hear about those dumplings a lot. The dumplings. Um, but, those two were always my favorite. <laughs> Eggzels, Until the literal <laughs> devil broke them up. I didn't like that very much. <laughs> uh, if you watch the Laser Time uh, card background, Marvel, Marvel Trading Card Series 1 Villains episode, and I know you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I like the really intense look in your eyes when you said that. The did you know about Mephisto is that he is... Not the Christian devil, and has never made such a claim. Hmm. <laughs> All right, that's almost verbatim what's on the card. <laughs> that seems like good stuff to put on a card. Um, but I, I think he he leans uh, into it. He you know he doesn't say either way, but he yeah. lets you think he does, and it tricked you. So so I did like the the one Marvel comic of recent years that I've read is uh, the Gwenpool run, oh, yeah. uh, and toward the end of that, it's just like these disjointed quote-unquote endings where she like basically does some crazy thing and fulfills a wish like recreating the ending of never-ending story on the back of fin fang foom (laughs) so one of them is just like she's in uh marvel's version of hell beating up mephisto with squirrel girl Mm. and uh she turns and is like so where i'm from which is the real world the devil's kind of more of a concept and nobody really knows if hell exists but here he's a real person and this is a real place so why aren't you heroes like down here every Thursday beating the shit out of it? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Why not? He's the source of all evil. And so I will say this game is it's high on my list. You know, the one game that edged it out was Monster Hunter World because yeah. uh, this game got my fourth place nod. Yeah. Uh, and my the only reason there is I think it was excellent in everything it did. I think it, it, it this is the game that like if you go if you go back and try to remember Spider-Man 2. You're probably remembering more like this in yeah. your mind. Oh, yeah. I went back like and played <laughs> Spider-Man 2 yeah. when yeah. it came out, and it's just like, yeah, this what this game did was it took 
this similar mechanics and it really refined them Thank to the you. point where That's they feel yeah. effortless and beautiful. Yeah. And you go back and you play the original Spider-Man 2 and it's like, yeah, this is still pretty good. But like having to hold down the button to, right. to swing gets a little weird. And then, you know, just that PS2 city feels like sure. a, a model yeah. of New York. Yeah. And where I was going, though, is is it it, it is a super refined <laughs> version of this game, but mm-hmm. it's also a game I felt like I'd played before. It's the best version of that game, yeah. but that's to me it was you know it's like well, I did I consume this game. I literally like played it like it was sort of my job. Like I was literally just I'm mm. getting through this thing. I'm, I'm doing all these checklists because I wanted to because it was super fun, but I it wasn't pushing anything new for me. It was just a soup. It's like the ultra refinement of this genre and of the Spider-Man game. It's the best example you could ever imagine of a Spider-Man game, yeah. but that's why it didn't get a little higher on my list. It was just like, yeah, I've, I've done this before. Just not as it's not executed as perfectly as this game. pulled it off. I, th- I think for me, this would be probably my number three. And uh, part of the reason for that is because what Brett was saying earlier about like uh, checklist open world games, like of the open world games I love this year, this probably felt most like a checklist yeah. to me where it's like, here are the Harry Osborne monitoring stations. And, and t- to their credit, they, they did something Aww, different. You didn't, like with, the bionic, you didn't like the bionic commando courses? Well, hang on. To their credit, they did something different <laughs> with each of them, but it still felt like, uh, here's here's the thing you need to do. Here's, uh, go do these uh, gang hideouts and, mm. and everything like that. And it, and it was... Like, those are all great. Like, I I love the adaptation of that sort of Arkham-style stealth. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, yes, this is a, a similar activity that's kind of stamped all over the map. And, yeah. I mean, it, it still has some great character moments, but it still feels less essential to the overall experience. And I feel kind of like the two games that will come after this are maybe a little more organic in that respect. Yeah, it, the way I would phrase that, just as you were saying it, it, it kind of popped into my mind. I can see the systems a lot more in this yes. game. Like, I can see the checklists. Like, literally mm. visualize them and see, like, oh, here's this through the UI and stuff. Just like, yeah, here's these awesome, amazing gadgets I got that yeah. they're making it really fun. But I can tell you're getting these so that you can really expand your combos later when mm. you're going to have these goals or you have to do, like, yeah. you know, 100 juggle combos and, and all this. Or, yeah, it's literally, like, the first thing you start collecting is backpacks. And it's like, oh, this is one of 20, a yeah. variety of 20 different yeah, collectibles yeah, this yeah. game will have. And, again... I'm totally fine with that. I love that game. I've played that, but I've played that game before, mm. and you can just see the systems more in this game. Yeah. But it's still, it's still full of. That's not to say it's not full of surprises. Like one thing I tell people is, it is super fun to swing everywhere in the city, and so fast travel seems almost pointless. Make the effort to fast travel at least once or twice, because some of the best cutscenes are oh, watching yeah. Spidey on the subway interacting ah, yes. with real people yeah, yeah, like yeah. when he's talking to fake spider-man on the subway and they're like comparing notes right or if he's just listening to his uh headphones just rocking out and like dudes mm-hmm. are kind of staring at him mm-hmm. and and by the way always do it as spider-punk you will look yeah. amazing as spider-punk on a subway although i i love the the classic ditko era <laughs> costume like just yeah. looks like a cel-shaded yeah. animation because oh, yeah, it, really, it really is it's I like watching that. fucking dot and the kangaroo or something where it's like Everything else looks real in comparison to this cartoon character that's running. Around. That is my favorite costume to wear, and because yeah. of that, it's 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 like I have my own version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where it's yeah, like, here's yeah, my yeah. cartoon mm-hmm. guy in the real world mm-hmm. or Cool World. If you yeah, want to I go actually kept, uh, and I love that they let you keep the powers of any costume, but pick whichever yeah. one yeah, you want. Yeah, that's cool. So and I I just out of like sheer respect, just grabbed like just stuck with the default costume because it looks it looks really good. That is a good. Video, it's a unique video game design for Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I was fine I with it. It's really fucking awesome. I, I like the design, and maybe 20 minutes in, unlock Scarlet Spider, like, oh, well, this has gone forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, 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 will be, I, I will be in this for the rest of the game. And 
My favorite thing on the subway, though, is to put on the most, like, ornate Tony Stark-looking yeah. high-tech thing. Like, this is, one, this is not Spider-Man. Yeah. And two, here he is on the train, uh, weighing 900 pounds in metal. And- <laughs> I still remember the vague disgust in your voice when that happened in the comics. And you're like, yeah, and Tony Stark's like, my suit, my design, my colors. Oh, all the Iron Spider? Yeah, yeah. Mm. This is like yeah. red and orange or yellow. Which is now one of the costumes in that DLC. Which which is uh, funny. We were we brought up yeah. the other day and... I was like, oh, it's a Mark, like, Mark whatever. And we were like, wasn't there already, like, several Tony Stark yeah. Spider-Man costumes? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, the Iron yeah. Spider from Civil War is, like, kind of the original. And then they kept making Mark ups from that, if, oh, as I far see. as I know, anyway. I see. We see. We need to see. And I do want to say, just to date this even mm-hmm. further, I think, um, chronologically, this is the last time I heard Stanley um, right before he died. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably for me, and too. That's, I saw Venom first, and uh, even though he, I, I can confirm he's in Wreck-It Ralph, but he doesn't say shit. Hmm. But yeah, the last time I heard him talk was in this brilliant Spider-Man game, and that makes me, I don't know, a little mushy I wonder for if some they already reason. filmed his Avengers 4 piece. They did. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that'll be they the did. last he's, one. He's going to be like Tupac. He's going to be in like <laughs> 200 movies mm. after this. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's going to be a Coachella next I will year. In the next Chris, 20 I, years, he's going to continue aging somehow in each cameo. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did have a little tear come to my eye when watching Wreck-It Ralph. I was just like, "Oh shit, there's Stan!" Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just imagining him in you know 2040. He looks like Howard Hughes or something with the huge beard and the long nails. Uh. So. <laughs> Can I ask anybody? As of this recording, has anybody kept up with the DLC? Because I I didn't dislike it, but like other shit just kept yeah. flying in yeah, my. I, uh, uh, as of this recording, I've only, uh, only the first two parts are out, so I've done all mm. of those, and I I like them because. As we wait to see more of what happens with, like, Ock and Green Goblin, uh, Norman. Slash Norman Osborn, and then also what's going on with Harry and where that's leading, um, it's fun to dive into some of the more criminal, you know, the, the, the gangs that he always runs around with. So you'll see, obviously, uh, man, what's his yeah. head? Hammerhead yeah. and Black Cat. And seeing these characters, the more street-level characters that you might, they would use for filler arcs in between to let... To let their big bads cool down for a few cycles to then have... Well, all right, throw Hammerhead or Tombstone in there and let them fight those guys for a few issues. And having those as DLC is almost like, well, yeah, that's kind of what this is. It's a filler arc yeah. to get us to tide us over. And, mm-hmm. you know, then the next time you show up, you're going to hit us probably with Green Goblin or whatever. It is um, nice this game had it had quite the rogues gallery, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And the, so the fact that the DLC introduces, like, new enemy, or, you know, Hammerhead, who wasn't in that main game, is, yeah. is really cool. Yeah. And it's yeah. more costumes too. Um, still no black costume, which I know is on purpose at this point. Like they're either gonna, because right. I don't know yet. So as of this recording, they'll either save it for the last DLC, or uh, depending on. How, uh, I mean, we're spoiling pieces of the game, but depending on that ending, um, mm. they may save it for whatever the next game is at this point. I which see. would bum bum. Me I would. Well, at this point though, I've already played through the whole game, so I guess at this point you might as well wait. Yeah. Because. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine they would throw that out there for the last mm-hmm. DLC, which even as someone who's making it their game of the year, might not get to. Yeah. What are you no, going to do true. with it? You've already done everything. No, it's true. I, I would. It would be kind of a, an odd time to drop it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I can definitely see your mileage, your mileage def, may definitely vary with this because it is a refinement of things that have come before. But then for me, it was I have I kind of pieced out for almost maybe nine years of Spider-Man games, and then to finally have this ultra polished one. The highest imaginable production values, um, like all the all the things you would want out of a good first party exclusive, but also all the like 
Marvel-y things you would want in a game or from a Marvel Studios caliber production uh, just felt felt really good to play Spider-Man again. I'll say this, and and even though it's not as it's on my it's not as high on my list as one other game um, that will be on our list, uh, I would say this game might define the PS4 era for for Sony in terms of their first party mm. game. This might be the game that when you look back at the PS4, you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Sony had Spidey. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, Spidey and God of War in the same year is pretty wild. That in 20 years, when today's four-year-olds are buying the remaster of this for PS6... <laughs> 20 years? They'll do that in five years. Yeah. Yes, on a, on a right. tiny PS4, they're complaining about the resolution. Yeah. On. <laughs> oh, this is only 60 FPS. Why not 120 FPS? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move along to... Number two. Is this Tahiti plan really going to work out? You tell me, Arthur. Is it? Have some god... Damn faith! <laughs> I have a plan. Who's joining us for this segment? Special guest. Cat Bailey, editor-in-chief of USG and host of Acts of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. Yeah. Wow, thank you for joining us to talk about what game? Red Dead Redemption 2. Yes. This, this game was fucking amazing. Yes. And it's it's one of those that I, I feel like, it, in some ways, it's it's held back by a lot of fairly clunky design decisions but then the overall narrative comes together so beautifully especially at the end that like you walk away from this and it's like this is just a a brilliant experience yeah i think in the clunky game design thing we spoke about it when the game first came out i do believe most of that is entirely intentional and Mm. and the way i phrased it then and i stand by this is this is a game that dares you to like it like you actually you have to earn it if you're going to like this game because so many I mean it, it inspired an entire episode of VGA we talked about games that were slow starters that took a while before you loved them like this this is the perfect example oh, of yes. that like this game will challenge you to say no you know you're used to this the open world games you're kind of used to the the Ubisoft model if you will mm-hmm. right? which is we're going to drop you in yes. there's all these icons everywhere mm-hmm. this is the and then, antithesis of that it's, it's a w- bing bomb boom one episode of everybody loves Raymond later you're a superhero <laughs> and, uh, yeah I have a, I have a laundry list of complaints for Red Dead but that's only because like I can acknowledge it is an, kind of an undeniable masterpiece underneath little tiny quibbles mm-hmm. like just a very very strange ecosystem with a lot going on yeah is it weird that i think that we dwell too much on its foibles and not enough on some of the just absolutely incredible things that it does yeah uh, to wit i mean the extreme density of things to do without yes. making without feeling artificial yeah uh the little touches like the fact that you'll be hanging out in your camp and somebody will come up and they'll just kind of touch your shoulder and you'll get into a conversation and you you're not stuck in a cutscene. You're walking around and you're getting some coffee and you're standing around or you're sitting at a poker game and you're listening to a random conversation or do you go to the theater and all of these things that really just immerse you into the experience it's it's a remarkable game that i actually kind of love from the very start my my favorite one of those is in camp if you join in the singing it will lock you in for the rest of that song. <laughs> and to the point where I walked, I completely walked away from the campfire in the group as they're singing. And I could just hear Arthur by himself singing the verses. And I had to sit and wait to activate another NPC to start quest going. But I just loved it. I'm like, he knows the whole song. He's going to sing the whole song. I'm not going to bother him. It's mm-hmm. fine. I'm bringing sexy back. <laughs> I, went to, I went to the theater and I was sitting there watching a show, like a magic yeah. show. Yes. And I couldn't believe that they had put spent all of that time 
making it and motion i motion capturing this performance <laughs> yeah my mind went to crunch unfortunately oh. my yeah. favorite part of that was I, I quickly I was I was enraptured by this show and then I went oh wait it's a video game they can do whatever the hell they want like <laughs> of course she can make the fire disappear it's a video game mm-hmm. like there is no trick here yeah. and, and yet I like I'm still you watching could, it I like that you can go woo <laughs> 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 I also love that during the sing-alongs like Arthur is slightly off meter because he it, yeah. it's like he's just hearing the lyrics and like oh yeah 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 hi yeah yeah new Taco Bell flavor actually one of my favorite moments the in the theater and this is a bit of a spoiler jump ahead if you don't want to hear this so he goes on a date with with yes. Mary yes and there's one and, and if if you weren't like rotating the camera on you might not even see this it just gives you a prompt like make a move I, I don't think it says make a move right but it's like try something and he does the stretch and goes to put his arm around her and then she catches him mid stretch and he puts it back <laughs> and then so then the whole rest of the show i'm like okay there's gonna be another moment he's gonna try it nope that was it that was my one chance and he completely like backed down i was like this is awesome this i bailed early <laughs> i was like uh, i need to go and she's like oh if you want to go okay cool oh. i was like oh i feel bad like uh the whole thing with mary actually made me a little sad which i think was intentional because I mean, she is the definition of regret in his life, uh, the character of Arthur Morgan, who yeah. is uh, maybe my favorite rock star protagonist, um, since CJ, at least. Uh, he he uh, like he's spends the entire game looking back on a life not well-lived, very well-wasted. Mm-hmm. But. Well, it, yeah, well, I would say at least he spends Act 6 or yeah. uh, parts. The, the, the rest of the time, he's very happy to waste that life with <laughs> on things like this horrible errand. Where's our money? I don't have it. Sell your place. We already owe more than it's worth. <coughs> then sell your wife or your family or something. We ain't your idea of <gasps> charity. Is that clear? <coughs> Thomas! What are you looking at? Thomas! I said what you looking at, woman. My husband isn't well. If we could just have more... Like I said, we ain't nobody's idea of charity. Get us the money. Ugh. He can also be a dick. He can be a huge yeah. dick. And it's it's interesting, like, I, I have that inbuilt thing where, like, I can't choose rude dialogue options in RPGs. Yeah, me neither. But, like, you go on YouTube and you can watch people just, like, antagonizing the shit out of people and, like, my god, it's like he's a mean drunk just mm-hmm. stumbling yeah. around getting in everyone's business. Yeah, I can't do it on my first playthrough. I usually wait for a second playthrough, although with this game, I don't know that I have time before I die for a second playthrough. Like, a, yeah. it's it's a long one, but uh, that mm. and that scene, that's actually a very pivotal scene that, oh, that yes. relates to a lot of stuff later in the game. Well, mm-hmm. it, like the the Lone Shark missions in particular, kind of reminded me of a certain quote from Pulp Fiction. The truth is, you're the weak, and I'm the tyranny of evil men. Like that, I think that drives that home more than any other crime game that I've played. That it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm just sort of like. This tool of very bad people, and I'm a bad person myself, but Arthur's sort of like that blank slate where it's like, it's not that he's necessarily evil, it's just that like, well, I guess I'll go along with whatever this is. Well, it's his, it's his life and his job, and yeah. he, he, it's like he's hitting a switch. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll be sitting in camp, and he's really jovial, he'll go fishing with a little kid, he likes everybody, I mean, it's hard not like to, to like Arthur, but then the next thing he's like, 
he when he's committing a crime or robbing somebody, he'll put on his essentially crime Batman voice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> where is he? <laughs> Lenny, where is Lenny? <laughs> uh, it's funny because, yeah, when I started playing the game, at first I thought of Arthur as like the ultimate blank slate. I'm like, oh, he doesn't. He's not going to have a personality. It's it's whatever I make him to be. And then the more I played, the the more I realized that is not true. If anything, he might be one of the more fully realized characters Rockstar has ever. Yeah, written. Mm-hmm. I, through through like pretty much just cinematic rides to and from everything you have to do. Uh, he sort of reveals himself to be someone pretty resigned to whatever the hell his lot ended up becoming, and because everyone around him seems to question everything. Yeah. Whereas he's just kind of done with it. Well, I mean, he says, I would be dead. I would have been dead at like the age of 12 on the streets somewhere yeah. if mm. Dutch hadn't brought me in. Yeah, he has Whatever, this... Whatever, try not to think about it. <laughs> Choke. Yeah, I mean, he has this loyalty to Hosea and Dutch that at this point he realizes like, well, they actually kind of got him into this bad life, but it's the lot that he was he was given and partially that he chose as well like he, he he definitely admits that he made some bad choices as well it's not just he, he doesn't like blame society or right yeah no, he's like, he was well, like i could have gone out but it keeps dragging yeah. me back in well, if anything mary is that that reminder <laughs> yeah. that she is literally mm-hmm. like the life that could have been you know yeah well it's it's like with anything you know anything negative in your life that you won't get rid of it it's it's sort of like that it's like yeah i could change but that's kind of hard so mm-hmm. i'm not gonna yeah never never actually get out of life even even when he has kind of these character changes late in the game that uh he he still is stuck into the life right. and, and, and it helps it. that there's a really strong supporting cast yes. I, who yes. are really well voice acted I, I think oh, this yeah. is some of the best voice acting I've heard in a game in quite a long time and you, I quickly got to know you know everybody there right I mean I really liked Hosea and Lenny and Charles and Abigail and Sadie and yeah. uh, I enjoyed going out on missions with them especially Sadie and they all have their arc. Some of them end very tragically. Some yeah. of them don't. And, I mean, you can see Arthur becoming close to them as you become close to them. And it's... So when the big emotional points come, especially toward the end, like, yeah. you feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always secretly ship for Arthur and Mary Beth. I just have a soft spot <laughs> in my heart for Mary. She's so nice. We're talking about fan just, fiction off mic. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I, I always wanted to go back to cat. Like it's so easy to list like minor negative things about this th- thing. But j- I was talking to people the other day about how much I liked the group or the camp dynamic. When Rockstar announced like you'll have seven partners, I th- I thought they were mean like seven selectable West Boy loadouts. <laughs> you can shoot as this guy or maybe an engine. But like no, getting to know everyone in your camp is kind of the best part about the game yeah. yeah and that's what i keep going back to and like i really really enjoy spending time with these people even the people i hate i enjoy spending time with because uh that to me is more interesting they're like this weird battlestar galactica ship even mike floating through the bill old west williamson <laughs> bill's, bill's just an shit. idiot yeah he's like a shit <laughs> i mean i, I will michael say, micah's evil oh pure oh evil. yeah mike yeah mike is like chaotic evil right mm-hmm. um no i love the fact too that they got John, they like got the original voice. Like how it it wouldn't have been the same if they didn't get that original. John has an interesting arc on his own, and I mean, 
I think the thing that could have hurt Red Dead Redemption 2 is if it had just been a prequel right. to Red Dead. And I wrote about this before it even came out. I said, can it avoid prequelitis? Because, I mean, I think back to Solo, a Star Wars story. What's it doing? What's the point of this movie even existing? Mm. It is like, and here's how they... Uh, completed the castle run and here's how he got this and how he got this dumb name and you're like okay yeah whatever it doesn't have a reason for being and well well, their reason is usually filling in the gaps about these characters but actually with john you realized you didn't you weren't asking about those gaps to begin no. with. Yeah. And, and How did so, he get a scar? Yeah, it's a, yeah. I mean, there you go first time you see him. Right. Yeah, that's like they have one of the first missions in the game. It explains mm-hmm. that, and then the rest of the game. I mean, he is he's a secondary character. There's some big, definitely some big plot points that do yeah. revolve around John. But mm-hmm. um, and then I just let's you talk about even Dutch. say that they revolve around John. Can, can we talk about there? You go. <laughs> can we talk about Dutch? Who I hate to say it as much as like I disagreed and, and ended up hating some of the decisions he made. He is one of the most charismatic characters oh, in gaming. And just a very non-traditional voice actor, I will say, too. He has that thing where, like, his voice breaks when it gets real high and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's just very non-traditional. But I loved it because it was, like, it makes it more realistic, you know? Yeah. If, if he would have been, like, your your archetype, like, oh, I'm, I talk like this and I'm the head of the gang, not as cool. Like, he, mm-hmm. he is this smooth talker that... Mm-hmm. Uh, has like little faults that you pick up on every now and well, then. That's that's how he is in the original game too, yeah, where like yeah. you, like he's obviously a bad bad man, but you still kind of feel a twinge of sympathy for him because it's like, oh, he's yeah. so charismatic. I don't really want to kill him. But in, in the original game, it is it's very clear he has gone. He's this idealist who has gone off the deep end. Like, mm-hmm. he, like he's kind of lost track of his ideals. And I think this game, if it's anyone's story. It's sort of the story of Dutch. It's, it's yes. supposed to be showing you how how Dutch did end up going off path, you know, because yeah. he starts off very idealistic and I want to do this and it's for the group. I don't want to kill people. This isn't yeah. the way we do it. Like there was a moment where we were robbing somebody together and because I was wrestling with the controls a little bit, I accidentally shot somebody <laughs> yeah, and then I yeah. shot somebody else and he was like, Arthur. That's not the way we do right. things. Yeah, yeah. See, and I, I feel like I need to, to clarify and qualify when I say clunky design decisions. I'm talking about things like I'm 150 hours into the game and I still get confused sometimes. Like, wait, which button draws my gun while I'm Bam. on the horse? <laughs> well, there's also uh, <laughs> some open world stuff. I was telling you. So this game has its, you know, the RDR one moment is that song when you're you're riding yes. into Mexico. Mm-hmm. There, this has a similar moment with a song, but I was telling Michael. Completely got taken out of it halfway through because I just ran over an animal halfway through. <laughs> 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 yeah, and and you know your horse goes and it, like you just you, you feel the thud in the controller. Well, it, like, it kept on. It was very cinematic. Yeah, but the, it's like the the it's like a Will Ferrell movie or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ease with which you can crash your horse is both a huge source of frustration and also of hilarity. I think I have probably two dozen videos saved yep. just me like yeah. eating shit flying off a horse yeah. and in fact the uh, the video that I pulled that first sound clip from with uh, Dutch saying have a little faith like the second after he says that like the, the player's gone into cinematic mode Dutch immediately just crashes into another horse goes <laughs> yeah. flying both the horse and Dutch go flying over the other horse and then pick themselves up and keep talking as if nothing happened oh yeah I had that moment where I had just like it's it's kind of the middle of the game and you're doing like a revenge mission. It's one of the um, someone gets kidnapped, one of the the and you're going with like kind of the the camp mom 
Mm-hmm. I forget uh, it. Miss Gr- Grimshaw. Miss Grimshaw. <laughs> and so she's like riding away at the end. She's like, all right, Arthur, I'll see you back at camp. Gets on the horse and then just runs me over on her scene. <laughs> and so then Arthur gets up, dusts himself off, and I was like, "Yeah, that that's way better than had she not done that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, there's a little, but I will say for an open world game, and we were talking about uh, Just Cause Four. So Just Cause Four is like, it's really fun. There's a lot of you know funny stuff that can happen from an open world, but any open world game after Red Dead Redemption Two has so much to try to live up to just visually. Like, the fact that they made the an open-world game where so much is possible and so much you can do, as beautiful as they did, like, one of the best-looking games of the generation, maybe the best? What's uh, interesting is that the open-world stuff actually isn't that open. There are very defined things that you can do. You can mm-hmm. rob certain places. Mm-hmm. You can steal mm-hmm. stagecoaches. Uh, you can run into people around... But as for the actual possibilities of things to do in the world, not that broad. Like, I was trying to rob banks, can't rob banks. Like, mm. half the time, like, I was trying to do interesting, dynamic things with different people. And sometimes you can get really interesting reactions, but more often than not, people are just going about their routines, and it's hard to break them out of that unless you go crazy. Yeah. So, so once I started treating it like an RPG almost, where I was just taking on the side missions that it gave me, I mm-hmm. had a better time, I think, yeah. than rather than trying to treat it as like GTA. Right. Well, if you do, yeah. I mean, you'll quickly build up bounties, and the game become, will almost become unplayable at some mm. point because if your bounties just get high enough, bounty hunters are just all over the yeah, place. You'll get yeah. ambushed by like twenty of them, and well, yeah. Like I, at one point, I got a bounty in Saint Denis for something fairly small. I think I ran over someone with my horse while I was leaving, <laughs> fairly small. and then like uh, <laughs> tried just to... running over somebody. <laughs> it was an hit and run. <laughs> Come on, I, I was trying to go back and pay it, and immediately, like every cop in the city starts yeah, yeah. swarming and shooting at me, mm. like. Like, yeah. This is a lot for a $10 bounty. It, it <laughs> happens to me in San Denis all the time, but then it's still video gaming in that all you have to really do is escape, and then it'll kind of reset once they stop mm. searching for you, and then, yeah, you only have to pay $10. Well, I had like $300 bounties in every city at one point. Oh, yeah. man. But Isn't you get, that an achievement? Uh, it's it's a challenge for if, ah. you, uh, if you're trying to get all that gear, like the scoundrel gear. And but if like you that, get... Yeah. But if you... I mean, you never really have to worry about money in this game, like oh, yeah. especially... There's one mission, a bank mission, yeah. that you just yeah. get absurd amounts of money yeah. from that. If you get so, fairly on, it's like in the second or third chapter, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah. early on. I mean, Are they, you saying you didn't give it to your camp? Shame. I bought a $1,000 Arabian, and then yeah. Dutch was standing around going, we got to get more money. And I'm like, here's my, uh, just hiding, a, <laughs> hiding my Arabian horse. behind me. <laughs> Throwing throwing mud on your Arabian. Yeah, yeah. It was used. <laughs> I uh, I bought that thousand dollar Arabian, and then I quickly kind of saw something online about here's how you get the best horse in the game, which you you have to capture out in the wild, yeah. and that is a really cool moment. I do recommend. Uh, oh really? That. Yeah, it's 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 where it's located. Even it's it's like this completely stark white Arabian that's up right. in the mountains near, yeah. near a frozen lake. And just the way you have to like calm it down and win it over, it's like it's really cool, and it's mm-hmm. it's super fast. It's like this awesome horse, but uh, yeah. yeah. I think th- there was one moment also that I, I grabbed a sound of just because it's like if you have played the first game and finished it, there is this moment early on where you meet the Pinkertons for the first time that yeah. is like, oh, this is such a great bookend scene. You're a wanted man, Mister Morgan. There's five thousand dollars for your head alone. Five thousand dollars for me? 
Can I turn myself in? <laughs> we want Vanderlyn. Old Dutch. I haven't seen him for months. That's so? Because I heard a guy fitting his description robbed a train belonging to Leviticus Cornwall up near Granite Pass. Oh, ain't that a little old-fashioned nowadays? He's also not uh, less than a mile away from us at this <laughs> yeah, moment. Yeah. But, but it's the, the, the ending of that scene that really stuck. Enjoy your fishing, kid, while you still can. <laughs> Damn you, Edgar Ross. It will be you who will not enjoy his fishing. That's true. <laughs> the Pinkertons are kind of dumb, by the way. Yeah. They, they should just move in and raid that freaking camp. They know mm-hmm. where everybody is, but they're just messing around like bad, like bad villains do. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, at, at certain points it's like, man, you guys are experiencing, like, a lot of high losses and turnover. Uh, yeah. This is, this is how labor unions got started, isn't it? Like, after I've gunned down all these fucking Pinkertons, like, we need protections. Yeah, there's some point during some of those missions I was killing so many, I was like, did I miss, like, did I not trigger the next part of the mission? Because it's just wave after mm-hmm. wave of them are coming. I was like, I, I must have broken the game. At Men this in bowler hats and smart colored shirts. That's right. Yeah. I found myself looking up the Pinkertons because of this game. I, and it was, uh, I mean, I knew that there were strike breakers and that kind of thing, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize, like, all of the things that they did over the years. Oh, yeah. Well, they were kind of like the Blackwater of their day, except yes. they operated domestically. Yeah. Nice. I was going to say Hick Mafia. But that's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like at one point, I think they they had like a private army that was larger than the U.S. Army, so that's why the government started putting restrictions on that kind of thing. Sure, yeah, and then we just started hiring them. What exactly. Did, what'd you name your horses? Oh, I never got around to telling that story. What'd you name? I named it what I name every horse I get in every game, Dick Crane. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the name of every story. single horse. Yeah, and and of course, I've never seen this happen before. Rockstar's like. That's naughty. You can't name your horse that. Like, Rockstar? Hello? <laughs> Are you kidding? I can't name my horse Dick Cramp? <sighs> I forget who it was who was complaining that, like, uh, this is a huge tweet that uh, saying, like, I couldn't name my horse the historically accurate cocaine. So instead, <laughs> I had to go with Drugs the Horse. Drugs the Horse? Love it. <laughs> Love it. So uh, being Laser Time's resident basic bitch, I, of course, named my first horse after my dog, so Bodie. And then after he died in a gunfight, I said, I'm not doing that again. I'm too emotionally invested. Yeah. So then my, my black horse became Beauty, Black Beauty, because, again, basic bitch. And then my white horse became Silver, because Lone Ranger, again, I am super basic. I am fine with this. I named... But uh, is, is your do- did your dog get that name because your wife's a massive Point Break nope, fan? because I am a massive Point nope. Break fan. Do not disparage uh, yes. that movie or Patrick Swayze. And Bad Boys, too. Why would I disparage that movie? I am an FBI <laughs> agent. Holy shit, Johnny, Utah, I didn't know it was you. Well, I, will, I will say my favorite horse uh, already had a name, and it was Buell. Buell, uh, man. Buell's which, great. Yeah. If you, if you is he the best Buell. horse in the, I mean, is he like one of the best horses in the game after you get him? I don't know, but I, I had that sentimental attachment to him. Right. Yeah, it's those, that guy's pretty cool. Like, yeah. I want to hang out with that guy. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh, great. Got to go meet a veteran, go hunting with him. But then, like, that character so quickly endears himself to you. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. You will be surprised to know that I'm a nerd, <clears throat> and what? I am a nerd for Babylon 5, and <laughs> one of the main ships in, one of the key parts of that lore is a ship called the Black Star, Ooh. which uh, the one of the main characters blew up during the Earth Mimbari War, and the Mimbari never forgave him for it, and so I named my horse Black Star. 
Nice. Because I'm a nerd. <laughs> What's okay? So, second question: What was the worst slash best way that you had a horse die? And I would say that, and I ended up reloading after this, but I rode. I was walking along a very narrow crevice mm-hmm. on a cliff wall, and then I. Well, I fell off that crevice, and there was much tumbling and bouncing and tumbling and bouncing and tumbling and bouncing. And this game really, like, if you die... It, it lets you feel it. It yeah. really lets you feel, like, falling off a cliff. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll hear that horse, too, though. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. All the way down. <laughs> yeah. Um, trying to think. I mean, the, the, the first way with, with Bodhi, the horse, was mm-hmm. I, did, I got ambushed by, like, at least 20 bounty hunters. And it was... Yeah, and yeah. it was one of those where I couldn't get Horse Reviver to him in time because they, they smoked me right after they shot him. So, yeah, that totally sucked. Um, yeah. Can you reload? Uh, no, I didn't I didn't know you could... I didn't think of, like, quitting the game quick enough and kind of mm. save scumming and, and capturing Yeah, same here. I lost my Ardennes mare that same way, yeah. getting getting chased out of San Denis by cops again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got ambushed by bounty hunters, but my horse did not die. It was lying in the middle of the road, kicking and screaming, oh. and I was just like, this is horrible. So I sprinted all the way to Valentine, waited until morning, Jesus. bought horse reviver, ran oh, all shit. the way back, and my horse was still there, what? still alive. Wow. wow. And I was just like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, I think the worst... That's the kind of trauma he's never going to recover from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he hates Well, he, he got retired. He just got put in the stable after I got yeah, uh, Black Star. Room. So, yeah. Uh, I think the worst way I had a horse die is... And it's, it's kind of related to the clunkiness of the game is... I just lost the horse. Like, I, I went on a mission. And I, I did get ambushed, but I didn't think the horse died. Um, oh, I know what it was. I had... I was going to steal horses, and I had, like, a second horse with me that I, I had roped and started riding around, and somehow, like, my primary horse got lost, and then I think he might have died or something, because I just couldn't find him, and I know I have that, that upgrade at the camp where it's like, oh, you can call your horses back, and so he just wasn't available, so I he must have died somehow, but it was one of those where I'm like, did I just lose my really good horse that I've built up this relationship with? This sucks, like... Yeah, it's like, um, what's what's the name of your first uh, house, Carl, in Skyrim? Like, Lydia, something like that? Mm-hmm. Like, people complaining, is like, she just fell through the ground and I <laughs> lost her forever. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, There's a little bit of that. I was building up a relationship with her and everything. Yeah, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> Could this be a point of pride? I have never lost a horse in this game. Damn. You're just careful. I mean, I had I had a terrible accident early on, so yes, I was very careful after that. And and I do a lot of cinematic views. Well, I so. ran into a lot of stagecoaches. Mm-hmm. We had, like, horse-on-horse collisions. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. but my horse would always get up. It would just be kind of like, ow. Yeah. Thinking of, like, man, there's, like, one time when I was leaving the camp near Rhodes, and as I'm leaving the path, turn on the cinematic camera, and all of a sudden the horse just makes an abrupt 90-degree turn and slams into a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I had one where I ran up a tree. Oh, nice. Yeah, Uh, and and like you, I just, every time that happens, it's like, Xbox, record that, you know, the the little button thing. Um, 
man, maybe maybe we should like do a compilation video. Maybe if you go to youtube.com slash laser time, who knows? Maybe eventually we'll put that up there. Who knows? I got maybe clipped eventually. by a train with my first <laughs> oh, horse. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's rough. It was just a clip, but that horse was dead. I mean, that's all it takes. It's a train. Yeah. <laughs> man, that's, that's one thing I never managed to successfully do. Was like I, I remember in the original Red Dead, I had a ball just tying people up and leaving them on train tracks right. to get yeah. run over. Yeah. And it was it was like leaving, like if you ever put ketchup packets under the wheel of your school bus <laughs> and watch them explode. It was sort of like that. Just, uh, But anyway, <laughs> tried to do the same thing with a member of the Murphy brood oh, uh, and, and just like dragged him out, left him on train tracks and like just sat there for like probably 15 minutes waiting for and a train, train to come came. and like never came. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh-huh. okay, I'm just going to go do this mission nearby. In Red, in Red Dead 1, I was completely traumatized because I was having a hard time summoning my horse properly. And while I was summoned my horse that was standing on train tracks, and it started running, but it didn't run fast enough, oh, no. and then that horse exploded, oh. and I was just, like, traumatized for life, and so when I was playing Red Dead 2, I was like, must be careful of all trains, and of course, <laughs> what did I lose to my horse to the first time? Yeah. A train. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah, I've, uh, every time I run, a- sometimes I do shortcuts, like, I'll run across the trestle. And every time I do that, I'm just like, well, I really hope a train's not coming. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But I always am like, well, what am I going to do? Because I'm way up here. Like, will, would I make it if I had to go into the river below? But uh, thankfully, I, I don't know. The train logic in the game, there must be some systems there where it kind of knows when to send them and when not to. See, what hmm. you wanted to do was look for a train station and then kind of be near there when you tri- tied somebody up. That's true. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good idea. Because there's always trains by the train station. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> They're constantly coming. Along with discouraged men who will give you the ah, location the of a stage men. That's yeah. so great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I love those guys. So we like this game. Yeah, we, we like this game a lot, but obviously we don't like it as much as... Ah, the very topic of conversation. A tattooed man traveling with a child. Boy took their path. Make sure we're alone. But we just saw them leave. Do as I say. He doesn't know what you are. I would keep it that way. Doesn't need to know I'm a criminal in hiding, basically. <laughs> oh, head. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, this was Darby McGill and the Little People, it, it as is, we heard yes. from the voice. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, Angry Dad the Game. Yes. I uh, could make is... some joke about Loving Head, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> An Al Snow WWE joke? Great! Yeah. No. This is no. God of War. Yes. yes. Dad of War. Red Dead was my number one. I think God of War mm. was my number three, and that's how it is on the site. But mm-hmm. I really liked God of War. It's it's a phenomenal game, um, and when yes. it won Best Game at the Game Awards, I said, well-deserved. I mean... Yeah beautiful yeah. game that completely yeah. revitalized a dead franchise uh gave it a totally different spin excellent combat can't can't argue against it yeah. wonderfully well-made game yeah yeah i i didn't finish this so i didn't like it as much as you guys because my the right side of my television style oh, right. i yeah, couldn't yeah. play it anymore oh. it's not that i didn't like it i to its credit i want to say i don't like any god of wars mm. at all really and uh i think i think they're kind of ridiculous and I like this a yeah. lot. This it's, was Michael I, and I, 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 Yeah. I mean, yeah, this yeah. is... The original God of Wars were very much like teenage angst games. Right. Uh, this this is... I, I mean, for, for me, the, this decision about whether Red Dead or God of War, it came down to... I remember when I finished God of War and I was actually incredibly sad because it's like I have done 
everything in this game. I have 100%ed it. I've gotten every trophy. There's nothing left yep. for me to do. Whereas Red Dead 2, like I that was an amazing experience and yet there's so much left in the game that I will probably never get. Got to get all those outfits, Michael. Come on. Yeah, you got to get I, all those perfect belts. I, I still haven't met any ghosts on the bayou or I seen know. a UFO. But you haven't done you haven't done the alien uh, abduction house cabin thing? No, I, I also do haven't that. done the yeah. yeah, there's who's the like the creepy people who invite you in the, for a meal and Oh, oh I did that one. Yeah, oh, the, oh my god, really? it was totally a random too. Really? Oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't even heard of them. I know about the. I thought you were talking about the night people. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, I met the night people once. Yeah, I, know, I met the night people once as well. And then I, I, someone, you learn about them on one of the missions. They bring them up, and then yeah, they've they've only come after me once, and they mm-hmm. are creepy because they're just oh, like yeah. sitting there, and all of a sudden they'll just try to stab you. Yeah, I remember telling you, it's like, yeah, if you see anything that looks like the beginning of a ghost story out on the bayou, uh, don't put your gun away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but the ghost stuff is pretty cool, too. Because yes. Rockstar's had ghosts in other games, or in GTA Five, I know specifically, but this one talks. Yeah. And I'm just waiting, yeah, I'm waiting to hear that, because that'll, that'll trip me out. And I think I, I watched a video that it's like, if you do it like 14 times or so, like, she acknowledges you? Oh, really? Apparently, yeah. Well, I know it's it's a... See, basically, it's a, it's a, it's a love story, mm-hmm. and so there's resolution there. Like, if you hear all of her dialogue, you learn what happens to her over the course of, of her life and how yeah. she dies and stuff. Which I like cool. that. I think it's emblematic of why Red Dead should be number one because we started talking about God of War and then just went back I to know. Red yeah, Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's a fair point. Yes, but yes, God, no God of War. Uh, like I said, I, w- I was actually sad when I ran out of things to do in that game because everything feels so good the exploration feels amazing the throwing the axe around feels amazing like it is just a fine-tuned game at every level and and the reason i gave this number one and i I gave spidey as you recall number four on Mm. my personal list is so spidey everything feels amazing is super refined is like the ultimate version of that game god of war is the same but i think god of war also pushes games forward a little bit like it's trying new things obviously it's, it's trying new things for god of war franchise it redefined the whole franchise but there's stuff in here that like other games really haven't done before so i, I think it is pushing sort of new ground like a lot of it with like the scale just like the world serpent when you talk to the world serpent you're like this is amazing the fact that the axe comes back to you at any anywhere you are they like, just walk away from that axe and I do want to try one time just walking all the way across the map and summoning the axe and see how long it takes to get to me. Because they do make mm. it take a little longer depending on how far away you it's are. It's like that bit in Thor Ragnarok when Thor sticks his hand out yeah. and it's just like, come on. Just waiting. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 no, they, I, that for me, that's what put it over for number one. And same feeling. And I think Michael and I both platinumed it before the new game plus wow. came, even mm. came out. Yeah, so, I'd platinumed it before the photo mode came out. And I right. remember being like, oh, now there's photo mode. It's like, oh, it's actually really hard to get them both in a shot. Yeah. I think things that does well, <laughs> I think that it's high at its highest level, the combat is excellent. Yeah. Um, especially when you're fighting the Valkyries. I found the Valkyrie fights really intense. Oh, yeah. Those, those are the true boss fights of the game. Yeah. Uh, the fact that I couldn't just bash my way through, I had to really put together a strategy and mm-hmm. pay very close attention to their tells so that I could parry them at the right times. Yeah, they, that, that's their Monster Hunter slash Souls-like boss yeah. battle. I, I was really impressed by that. <laughs> I love the dichotomy between uh, Kratos and the kid and Head. Uh, <laughs> Head! Head uh, and he was he was great. Once he comes into the uh, into the story, 
the the banter becomes wonderful and i love the stories that he tells when you're um canoeing around in the water uh i love some of the set pieces i have a huge amount of respect for the end of the game i think the only reason that i wouldn't be putting it at the top of my list is i hated the traversal puzzles like i hated everything mm. like i found them really mechanical and boring I thought some of them were pretty ridiculous. And... I'm trying to remember the traversal puzzles. Well, is, is I mean, it, it was just like, throw your axe to stop the wheels so that uh, you can... Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. look, here's stamper things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an elevator battle. Uh, there are color-coded enemies. And there are points where it gets away from like the really naturalistic, wonderful one-take thing that I love about God of War mm-hmm. and much more into very hoary 2005 kind of mechanics. Yeah. I yeah, can, yeah, I see what you mean there. Yeah, some of those puzzles were pretty, pretty lame. Also, um, he goes to hell twice. Mm-hmm. He only needed to go to hell once. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Every game has at least one trip to hell. But uh... <laughs> yeah, and I guess one other shortcoming this game has that uh, I said at the time is I f- I felt like they wanted you to spend more time in those other realms, and ultimately mm-hmm. a few of the realms just became kind of mini game areas. Yeah. Like that one realm is basically the combat arena realm. Yeah. Well, Muspelheim and Niflheim are basically yeah. they feel like they would have been DLC. Yes. And I did not, like, I, Muspelheim, I think that's the one with the fog and the, the random generation of level areas, whatever. Uh, that's one where it's just like, I did not expect to like this at all. But then getting into it, it's like, that's where I feel like most of the way through the game, having more or less finished it, like, that's where the combat really started to click for me. Like, it's like, oh, okay, if I use the, if I use my fists, then that can stun them and set them up for a more powerful strike with another weapon. And Mm -hmm. like, there's all these interconnected systems and tricks that I never figured out through the entire game, but I learned there. Yeah, Moosefulheim is, it's meant to teach you combat and it's a, shame that most people get to it so late in the game yeah. because it's like oh i should have been doing this the entire game and then niflheim i mean they threw a roguelike into the middle of god of war like it's that roguelike maze that, that changes well, that, right? that's or the one then... i'm thinking of that that's where i did learn oh okay i thought you but were thinking of the the it, is muspelheim the the foggy one or the fiery one i can never keep it straight i totally forget at yeah. this point <laughs> sniffleheim i don't know <laughs> maybe that's the one with the fog to get the sniffles. <clears throat> Muswellheim is the battle arena. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and Niflheim is the one where it's the poison fog maze. Right. So Muswellheim okay. is the one that, to me, I thought what you were saying is that's the one that teaches you combat because it throws no, those I, me- different... I meant Niflheim. Then. Oh, say. Okay, yeah. yeah but because Muswellheim will, it, it throws the different enemy types at you and then has those win conditions that you really have to use like different weapons and stuff to get those. And then Niflheim, you do have to learn the combat quickly because you have to get through it quickly because it's it's like this timed roguelike, which is like, yeah, the maze yeah, changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, there's hardly any moments like this in it. Here. Boy. There's a Yetnar settlement ahead. Yetnar. Giants. You can read the writing. Some. Just the language is mother now. But they're all sort of connected, so sometimes I can feel my way through stuff I shouldn't know. You know? Oh, Atreus, you'll soon learn if you do something once, he'll expect it every time, and uh, then you'll just get frustrated and annoyed. Boy, read this. Boy, what's that <laughs> say? Only time you want to talk to me is when you need to. Do you want to tell me something? <laughs> God, I can just imagine uh, them driving boy. in a car, and he's in the back seat yeah. saying that, and then, like, you know, having Kratos reach, 
trying to to the backseat to try to like pinch him or something <laughs> like like my parents used yeah. to. <laughs> the kid could have been so much worse. He could have yeah. like from a mechanical yeah. standpoint, he could have been annoying. From a voice actor standpoint, he could have been whiny. But instead, the kid was well written, but believable as a kid. Yeah, he's he's sort of the emotional center of the game. Also, an emotional center, an unexpected one, is this guy. Uh, excuse me, but um, how did you come by that uh, axe? That is my concern alone. And uh, while I won't dispute that, I I know that blade. It was one of ours, but uh, <laughs> we didn't make it for you. Step aside. I can't. Uh, Sindri. Sindri and Brock. <laughs> I love the neurotic dwarf Sindri. Yeah. <laughs> They're got, feud. Like, <laughs> there are like five characters in this entire yeah. game, and yeah. like two of them are like feuding dwarf brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When one of them is um, he's just afraid of, of blood yeah, and dirt. Germ-phobic. <laughs> wears gloves at all times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas his brother is just like Mr. Bad Attitude the entire time. Man. Go do some shit for me that I don't want to do myself. Uh, but yeah. The game's really gorgeous. It, it really is. It yeah. is one of the most beautiful games of the year. And it, I mean, the Xbox One X came out and was like, well, look how much more beautiful we are than the PS4 Pro. And the PS4 Pro is basically going, uh, God of War. That's, yeah. yeah. Look drop. what we can do when something is developed specifically for this hardware. Yeah. I mean, to give yeah. Sony credit, I mean, two two of our top games were first-party games, right? Spider-Man mm-hmm. and God of War yeah. are both beautiful games, both amazing games. Like, this is... Probably Sony's best year ever yeah, of the they, PS4 They generation. killed it for exclusives this yeah. year. And the first party, I mean, it's incredible to think about where Sony started at the beginning of the generation, where they were putting out Killzone, uh, mm. whatever, as their marquee game. And then this year, when they're putting out God of, God of War, and it's not a joke, yeah. Yeah. and Spider-Man, and it's, Spider-Man like sells twice as much as God of War, it's, it's ridiculous. It yeah. really is. Yeah. But I, I do love um, God of War, just that the transformation of Kratos as a character from just a an angry, he's like an open wound of a person in the first three games. And then uh, he he's obviously mellowed quite a bit. And it's one of those things where it's like he's a shitty dad. He doesn't want to be a shitty dad, but he really doesn't know how else to be. should stop having kids. Yeah. really should. It's like, yeah, this is a disaster every single time. <laughs> <laughs> he... So I really liked the first game, the original God of yeah, War, same. because I thought it was a really tidy redemption arc. And if you recall, the end of the original God of War ends with him sitting on a throne and a narrator intoning, and so Kratos became the God of War, and from mm-hmm. until the time end of time, he watched over the souls of the soldiers fighting various wars, and it, was, it cut showed scenes from like World War II and things. I'm like, oh, what a nice ending! Yeah, yeah it has a Conan the Barbarian ending. He ends mm-hmm. on a throne, just yeah. sitting there, lonely yeah. by himself. But then yeah. God of War II becomes a complete shithead, mm-hmm. and from that point, he was never redeemable. He just became progressively worse. He flanderized before our eyes really fast. Actually, flanderized. Yes, uh, a flanderization is to emphasize, like, recognizable and core uh, personality traits to the point of almost parody. Oh, okay. Oh, diddly-do there, neighbor. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's the idea. Well, you just watch it there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was always a, a huge fan of God of War, and my argument was always like, no, you don't understand. Kratos is angry because he's sad. Um and it, it really is because it's like, yeah, no matter what, like he, he gains the world basically, but can never regain his soul because he, 
he's tormented by the memories of what he did and the gods refuse to take that away from me he's like all right i'm gonna start killing everybody until someone kills me and guess what nobody can kill him yeah so but by god of war he's older Mm -hmm. he's like he's mellowed a lot i mean the game starts this isn't really a spoiler it starts with you burying your wife Mm -hmm. right like it starts off and he's been through this yet again right uh and so but this game is about his growth as a human. I, and I will tell you, like, as a parent, I know we make fun of him as, like, bad dad and stuff. And, yeah, he makes, like, the wrong choice. You know, whenever mm-hmm. there's, like, a teaching moment in the beginning of the game, he makes, like, every parent's been there. It's, like, sometimes it's, like, do I, you know, you want to get angry and stuff. And, and he gives in to those impulses in completely the wrong way. And it does, like, the opposite of what you're supposed to do. But over the course of the game, he, he gets better and a little bit yes. more patient. And, uh yeah, he, he you you get to see him grow over the course of this game. It's really great. What's interesting is that in the very beginning of the game, he has gotten over his anger, and he's very clearly working on mm-hmm. anger management because yes. he's being goaded, and they're like trying yeah. be like, yeah. "Come on!" The, the stranger shows up, starts punching him in the face, like, "Leave and my he's home, like, go away." Yeah, but he the part he hasn't coped with is his past. And most of the emotional arc is him grappling with how to address that. And I think everybody has that one thing that they're kind of ashamed of. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not. I murdered a lot of people (laughs) ashamed, but still ashamed and are thinking about how do I address this? How do I confront this? Uh, How do I tell my kids? Do I tell my kids? Do my kids need to know? Mm -hmm. Do I keep this inside? It's, and honestly, that's a uh, it's a powerful and relatable emotional arc that makes God of War work. Yeah, and also you get to throw an axe around, and that's really cool. And it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so cool. It's like a third person shooter. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh man. So God of War. That's our game of the year. Let's get excited. So let's go into our community segment briefly. This is our last community segment of 2018. Very straightforward question. What is your personal game of the year for 2018? Um, Obviously, mine is somewhere between God of War and Red Dead. But, Kat, what was your favorite? Uh, Well, I'm kind of back and forth between Celeste and Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, I also really loved Monster Hunter World this year. So I would say Mm. that's kind of rounds up my top three with God of War and like the in the top five, I would say. But I've been really grappling as to whether or not to make Celeste number one because Celeste is just so tight. Uh, See, can you tell us why you love Celeste? Because both Michael and I have played it and and we don't get it. It's to me, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a really great hard platformer. Sure. Well, first of all, the the actual level design is really tight, and I think the thing that really makes it stand apart is that the puzzles are hard, and yet it's not a kind of game where like it's actually impossible to play if you're not good at platformers. Like my friend, who is not that great at platformers, was able to complete the game. It's much more about like figuring it out, like making a plan, and then you get through like a individual section, and you're like, yes. And especially as you get much later in the game, some of them are so intense. And as you're going through, you feel like you're on this roller coaster, and you're like, whoa, my god. And meanwhile, there's amazing music going on. It's a really so I have friends who I mean we all know people who like have really low self esteem I suppose you could say and mm. it's about a game like that's about just accepting the bad parts of yourself and being also being willing to I don't know 
uh, overcome your fear and overcome like your misgivings about yourself and just go for it. And I, I that is one of my like personal philosophies in life, actually. So I think that is a, a really meaningful kind of message to me as a message game. Plus the art's great and the music is incredible. And I can finish it pretty fast. And the B-side tracks are really good. And there's even more stuff to do after you finish the game. It's basically the perfect Switch game. It is emblematic of everything that the Switch does right. It's a great indie uh, to play on that console. I mean, it's... That's where I have it. And I will just... My one criticism is, like, the Switch control... Like, the default controllers. And Mm. I usually actually play it in handheld mode because I'm usually taking it to go... I don't think that's probably the best way to play that mm. game. Like it's a, li- it's a little clunky with those. With you think those so? Controllers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the default like buttons they tell you to use to like cling to walls or jump. I actually kind of reverse mapped it because you know you can use either shoulder button to do certain things. Oh. It's just personally easier for me to grab with. I think by default they tell you to do the left trigger and I do the right one. Anyway, uh, yeah, just just controller wise, I I always feel like man, maybe I should mm. be playing this with the pro controller. It might be a bit uh, easier experience. For I me. think it is a little bit easier with the pro controller, but I beat it in handheld mode. So mm, yeah, <laughs> I yeah I beat it mostly on planes, which mm, might have had yeah. something to do with my enjoyment. I see what you it. mean though about like yeah, it's a platformer, but really it's a it's a puzzle game. It's a puzzle game, yeah. Where you, uh, but it's a, it's a puzzle game with reaction times because it's mm-hmm. like once you figure it out, you still have to execute. Right? I normally mm-hmm. hate puzzle games, but I. I really like this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I will say, like, playing it on plane. So I've, I've got extreme anxiety that pops up whenever there's turbulence on a plane. Mm-hmm. And there is a moment in Celeste, not to get too spoilery, where you are stuck on a cable car, like, that's just suspended over a canyon. And uh, that anxiety of, like, being in a very dangerous situation with no escape, it's like... That's that's how I feel in those moments. Can I just tell you, not that I'm your psychologist, yeah. that's healthy anxiety. When you're on a plane yeah. and you're going through turbulence, it depends where you are, but your life could actually be in jeopardy. Yeah, but it, it's so one that's... of those things where it's like, I know this is just wind, it's not an actual right, threat, but right. I can't keep my gut from just curling into knots every time there's a jolt. The saddest haunted mansion is a really great level. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so well designed. Mm-hmm. Ah. It really is. And I think the reason... If there is one reason for me to pick Celeste over Red Dead Redemption 2 or God of War um, or even Monster Hunter World, it's that I can call out things that like I struggled with with all of those games. Whereas with Celeste, I'm like, nope, nope, 100% approval from me. Like I can recommend it to anybody. I love this game. So in that respect, it's almost like the execution is so strong. It's, you know, that little indie film that probably deserves to win Best Picture. Ah. Nice, nice. Nice. Well put. Uh, I'd say for me, and I this one sort of doesn't count, and I think it's why I didn't push so hard for it on a main list, but Destiny 2 Forsaken. Mm. Um, I know it's an expansion, but really, just the way they market those games, the way they even sell it now, it, it almost feels like a separate game. Uh, and as a Destiny player, and, and I guess now a Destiny 2 player, um, I think you know what Bungie has slowly realized over time is that the people that are sticking around are the core mm-hmm. and the people that are really playing it for years or they can always, every few years, try to go for the masses and, and kind of a broader audience. And it seems to me what they've what they've been doing lately is they keep going more and more toward that core. And a lot of people criticize this game for, for being very grindy. Uh, but if anything, really, they've just slowly embraced that. And like any good MMO, and I know they don't call themselves an MMO, but they are, 
Um, there is so much in-game content and things to do. It was the first time in a Destiny game where it's like, I don't run out of things to do if I play it two hours a night, every night in the week, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's so much to do. It's overwhelming with content, and it's it's all the kind of in-game grind stuff. But but as a hardcore like Destiny player, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. I, I want there to be choices, and I don't want to feel like, okay, here's the four or five things that you're supposed to do during the week, and then that's it. And so they have, like, you know, I think they've come to that realization, like, this is who's still buying every expansion and playing every expansion, and I'm totally fine with it. I still think it is the best-feeling first-person shooter I've ever played. Like, I don't mm. think any FPS does gets the feeling of shooting and, like, just how it feels when, like, you know, the guy's heads explode when you shoot him and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's like, second to none. Uh, I, I will say the story stuff they did with Nathan Fillion, like, if, you know, it, it was, like, emotional. It's like, I don't want to say goodbye to this character, um, even though I think this one was voiced by Nolan North. <laughs> most of the part. But, uh, but, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was great to, every few months, you know, you just get to dive back into Destiny if you, if you aren't, like, an everyday player or whatever. And there's a ton of new stuff for you to do there. So I wish more people would come back and, and would keep playing it uh, and pick up each expansion and stuff. But even if they don't, I think I think Bungie has realized that ship has sailed or is slowly sailing, and so it's fine. Like for the hardcores that want to play it every day, there's a ton of stuff to do, mm-hmm. and it's really fun to do it, and I love it. So yeah, ten year experience. I, I, I'm worried because I lo- you know I love Destiny, and I picked this up, but I couldn't get any friends to come back. Yeah, that's and therefore that's, I didn't. That's touch part it. of the problem of Destiny. Yeah, is if you don't have a good group, and and a lot of people I know migrated away from console to PC uh, because PC is mm-hmm. is such a different experience it's also yeah, what happened a different experience and you know playing an fps with mouse and keyboard is is that's how you can get good um but i, I do have fear for this model that bungie has committed to themselves to what 10 years of yeah yeah until destiny 3 comes out but really if you think about it it's been four of those 10 years so far hasn't it didn't that come out in is is destiny so, yeah. 14 or 2015 14 14 okay yeah i mean we're getting in that we're getting well into that 10 years right so <laughs> Shout yeah. out to my friend Doc Burford, who is our Destiny correspondent, and we mm. uh, periodically have him write extremely long essays about Destiny because they still, you know, they still get the clicks. And Des- he he is of the opinion uh, he is a huge Destiny super fan, and he is of the opinion that Destiny Two Forsaken uh, puts Destiny Two into a much better place uh, than it, what it was at launch. And by and large, he's very happy with it, and so. Uh, if any, there's any time to come back to it, maybe now is it. Well, I think I think the the knock it got at la- so everyone loved Destiny two at launch, and then um, kind of the the knock against it is they quickly realized there wasn't a ton of in game stuff to do. It was like once you did everything, everything came too easily, and so that's where they were like, oh, actually, we do need to make it grindier because that's what the hardcore stick around for, and people who stuck around from Destiny one. They could put up with all that stuff, and so I think they have, of course, corrected there. I anticipate they'll go, they'll keep swinging back and forth probably every few years and every other expansion or something like that. I, I predict Activision pulls the plug. You think? You think? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I don't it's think a it's making them as much money as still makes money. It makes a ton of money. Yeah, yeah. why would you pull know, the plug on a revenue stream like that? I mean, like post game, like post uh, launch content, is that what we're talking? Yeah, I mean, it costs a ton of money to make that game. Let's make no mistake, and to market it too. Yeah. So. I think I think overall there's there's still net positive. If anything sinks Destiny, it's that it's now four years old and Destiny mm-hmm. two is different from Destiny, but not so different that somebody I who I don't know, like has played a lot of Destiny is gonna be like, I need more Destiny in my life yeah. unless you're a super fan. Yeah. So like it's just natural that it's gonna become a lot more hardcore 
much like Overwatch is kind of hitting that point too. It's like, well, people, a lot, plenty of people are like, well, I played a couple years worth of Overwatch. Now I'm going to go play Red Dead Redemption 2. Peace out. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> that is true. Um, the girl I'm talking to, her son, has is asked to, for Destiny 2 to finally move away from Overwatch oh, after wow. years. That's what he's deciding to move I into. And he wants was... the $100 version. I'm like, he has to explain to me why. Because we can just get him silver if he wants it. Anyway, sorry. I thought it we need was, to consult uh, Matt on I that. I thought Fortnite was pulling a lot of kids away from, from Overwatch. I've, that I've too. Been, yeah. And yeah, probably he's like Destiny 14, as well. So he's 14, so he considers Fortnite to be lame. Ooh. Ooh. That game's for babies who want to kill right. each other. Can I That's point out how, how not like, lame it is? The fact that you guys have a Destiny correspondent. That's some like daily show level shit. Like <laughs> yeah. very specific correspondent. <laughs> That's video games now these days. You know, Kotaku yeah, has man. a GTA correspondent. Like, mm-hmm. you put people on beats for popular games because, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah. Especially with their live games. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, there's man. new content coming all the time. Yeah, and those games are so deep and so granular that it's really hard. Unless you're playing that game daily and following it really closely, it can be hard to write it about it in a meaningful way. So, yeah, yeah right. like, when we look for freelancers, Absolutely. we look for people who know a particular franchise extremely well and be like... All right, now write 3,000 words about it. It's so weird that their uh, Grand Theft Auto correspondent is Jack Thompson, though. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. It's very this strange. Professionally, broke. he spent more time in the game than any that's, developer. That's right. He spent more time with the game. So. <laughs> Seniority. Mike, what was your personal game of the year? Uh, my personal game of the year, uh, and this is a slight spoiler for my personal list that is going to be on usgamer.net, but it is Hitman 2. Really? It is going to wow. be my number one game of the year. It is just such a unique and lovely little game, and I'm sad that it's not selling more. Yeah, I, I played it a little bit. It's it's pretty fun. That same open-ended approach to murder that uh, made the first game so good. Yeah, it, it really just hits all of my buttons, so it's, it's sort of a perfect distillation of everything I loved about the Hitman series. Uh, and it's a fantastic package, especially if you have all of Season 1. George, what was your favorite game of the year? My favorite game of the year has to be God of War. Yeah, you align with the rest of us. Yes. (laughs) Oh, is that true? I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know that it's a no-brainer. It was tough for me once I got to my top three or four. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it was a good year for games for sure. I just, it's hard not to have so much respect for a series that has transformed so utterly from its origins Hmm. in a way that feels natural. It got a voice just so good. Yeah. Yeah, I just assume on the, with that, the kind of approach they were looking to take that they would nuke everything that came before in God of War, but no, it's it might be more meaningful if you played through the whole series. 100%. I think absolutely the game is better mm-hmm. if you've played the rest of the series. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad they found a way to move it on to a new pantheon, pantheon of gods yeah. without like yeah. you know throwing away Kratos or any of the other things that make this series what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anthony Acosta, what is your favorite game of the year? That would have to be Red Dead Redemption 2. Ah. <laughs> Which is probably a very standard answer for a certain subset of people that you know withstood the beginning of Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's at the top of a lot of people's lists. But what did you what did you what was your favorite part of Red Dead 2? Well, it's fascinating, right? So I think uh, gosh, I I can't take credit for this, but I heard someone say it's like the most expensive indie game ever made. Um, and, and by saying that, you know, that implies a certain amount of things. It implies a a dedication to a certain vision and a certain message, Mm -hmm. a certain idea that you tend to see in, in indie games where they want to convey a feeling and a a world. And so I think with Red Dead Redemption 2, it is, uh, 
it's predicated on different verbs than shoot and punch. It's predicated on like look and listen and um, and and wonder I guess yeah um, I think the best moments about her are just the quiet moments when you log back in after not having played for a day or so and you notice that the camera has subtly uh, before you even touch the controller the camera has subtly moved Arthur Morgan to the left so that the main image in front of you is actually like the world mm-hmm. it is this vista of of this like gorgeous like pastoral wilderness in front of you and so it's meant to make you feel like you're a part of something and and even in those like those processes of like you know making your coffee and having to chew on tobacco to be able to shoot fast and Mm -hmm. uh, brushing your horse as everyone likes to talk about like something that is weirdly cathartic after a time you once you get over the fact that it's slow you start to enjoy the slowness and you start to enjoy the process and you like to be in that world and it actually i do i do think they achieve that one aim of making you feel like you're in that world and that's why everything that happens in the story feels that much more impactful because you really are invested in the minutiae so when something Mm -hmm. far larger than minutiae occurs you are of course it really grabs you in that sense and so i think it's kind of unforgettable so oh absolutely unforgettable and it is above all a game about being a bad man who does favors <laughs> for little kids and says howdy to everybody. <laughs> that was the worst you do have weird dreams ever. after having played it for yeah. a while, and you do talk in that voice. <laughs> Maybe just to yourself, but you do yeah. talk in mm-hmm. Arthur Morgan's mm-hmm. uh, deep, deep growl all the time. You know, yeah. It's yeah. all good. So, Yusuf, what was your personal game of the year? My personal game of the year was God of War. Um AC Odyssey was a close second, but uh, to me, God of War um, was exactly what I wanted from the franchise. I'm a huge, huge, huge God of War fan, um, and I think the way the game incorporated its own past and history um, was just absolutely brilliant and very meaningful um, to me. And so I think because of that, you know, without going into spoilers, that's why it was definitely my game of the year. Uh, how about you, Diana? Oh, I've appeared again. Hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. You've um, been absent this whole show. I have. I was trying to think, have I played a game this year besides Donut County? Because you guys wanted me to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I guess it's Donut County. Okay. Donut County. Game of the year. Awesome. What was the game you most like hearing me talk about on 302010? Oh. Well, I mean, we had Ocarina of Time. So that's, hey, you know, that's right. So there you go. I mean, even I know as someone who uh, sucks at games and doesn't really play them, I know it's fun to watch someone do. And uh, yeah, Ocarina of Time is one. I, I can just watch somebody play that, you know. Same with Breath of the Wild. I would just watch Michael yeah. play Breath of the Wild. It was just, yeah, it was always, still cool enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. I remember you had a different anecdote about Ocarina of Time when we first started dating. Oh, yeah. Well, then my ex-boyfriend would play it instead mm-hmm. of like going out and doing anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. But then after he finished the game, then he's just like, then he just has to go hunt those spiders. Yeah, he really wanted to go back and hunt, hunt those damn spiders. And that's also when I, I learned to just really hate it. little pixie. Hey, listen! <laughs> God! I refuse to, to listen! Thank you to the Laser Time community who managed to mash... Ocarina up, Ocarina, Lincoln, Navi up with King of the Hill. Like, <laughs> no, Bobby, listen. <laughs> oh my god! It was so wonderful. I heard it in my head. I love it when an image does that. <laughs> At their uh, their uh, Link man, get their get their Navi and their get their sword man, master sword. And tell you what, <laughs> it's dangerous to go alone. <laughs> 
Chris, what about you? Dead Cells, baby. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Dead Cells. Sorry. You know what? You know I stand on games. I like a. Uh, I like my gaming streamlined, delivered to me, uh, raw, nice and easy. I don't need a bunch of cutscenes. I don't need a trilogy story arc. It's not what I'm looking for. So instead, it's just like, how would you like uh, Castlevania mixed with Mega Man X? And it's a roguelike, which I normally hate. Yeah. Mm. But uh, the, the the way you unlock stuff and the way you got better and the way you ended up learning to. Oh, I need to fly through this level at a thousand yeah, yeah. miles an hour, and then I eventually learn how to do that. I've um, I've done a one eighty on Dead Cells because mm-hmm. I started out not liking it at all. Like I I don't understand this. The the appeal of a Metroidvania to me is in learning the levels and getting around and seeing like oh there's a thing I can come back and activate later mm-hmm. whatever. But after pushing myself to play through this a few times, like something clicked. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, no, this is wonderful. I, I think that happened. That's one of the things this game does. It has to click. And, and part of it is just how amazing it feels to mm-hmm. do all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, And one of the ways you can fly through those levels, as Chris said, is like, this game is tight, like controls-wise and yeah, stuff. It is. It it's is. it's amazing. And and when you fuck up, it was because you fucked up the, with the controls. Like, you know you did something to, to kind of result in that happening because it is so well built. You get so mad well at yourself. Built. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I will say also the Amazon page for this game has the weirdest consistent typos I've seen where it keeps calling it a rogue little and souls little. And it's like, no, it's like. Why, why are you saying little? Oh. Rogue light. Dead, dead, oh, light? Dead Souls yeah, hasn't exactly it's not had a the easy. like Because a rogue like, right. strictly speaking, is an overhead game That's right. where oh, you are see, going into dungeons. Whereas oh, a rogue light you know would be a game like Dead Cells where you're progressively gaining equipment as you go. It's an action game. It doesn't include um, the usual Well, I meant things. randomized. So is a rogue little something then, and I'm just missing? <laughs> yeah. That's a fetish. It's a rogue love. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, no, it, I totally see it, the Souls comparison of... that you're collecting the cells. Sure. You've got the role that yeah. is becomes... And uh, the action is really intense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The... And the music's great, and like if you care about story, there's like enough lore there to get you curious, but it's sort of like... Creepy cell like, things oh, getting I'm... dripping into a sewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's great. And, and like, you know, speaking of uh, bad copy. That game didn't exactly get the best uh, journalistic introduction to the world. Well, but, it uh, came out as an early access game. I think that's that's one of those problems with like, yeah, when you're in early access, is I think the game's journalism is still struggling with is like, when do we cover yeah. this thing? You know, like, is it when it's early access? Yeah. Is it when and, do we wait? And also, and, like, I played it at early access. I do not remember it being that funny. Yeah. And and I feel like it went through oh, yeah, it's funny. some some revisions, some better writing, and like now it feels like it's like a Deadpool game. I'd almost. love to hear from Kat, who's who's still actively a games journalist. <laughs> so like, how did you guys? Did you pick? Okay, we're okay to talk about it in early access, or did you want to wait until it was out? I mean, if a game comes in early access and it's big enough, of course we'll cover it. But yeah. you know, Dead Cells was one of like a zillion fairly critically acclaimed early access mm-hmm. games. We yep. can't cover them all, and. Though I do recall that we did cover it initially because yeah. it was big enough. Same with Hollow Knight. But, you know, of course, like uh, much like Hollow Knight, when it hit the Switch, it really hit the big time because it's yeah. basically the perfect Switch game. Well, and it, and it started, I remember when it went in early access, people were like giving it like eights. It, like it was still starting in a good spot and then they refined it over that year. We usually try to ref- we stuff. usually try to review a game when it comes out of early access. Right. Like when it yeah. hits 1.0, yeah. we gave it a score, Yeah, which we did. We reviewed Dead Souls that's, ultimately. That's also why we're talking about this as a 2018 game, even yeah. though it was technically available sure. in 2017. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, what does it really matter? I mean, yeah. PUBG, I mean, people were going to give it a Game of the Year award, even 
in the top 10 or whatever, even if it hadn't come out of early access in December really hurriedly. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I do remember, though, that was a, a topic of discussion last year. It's like, do yeah. we include uh, PUBG and Goaty discussion? That was the first time that we had to really think about it. Now this year, I mean, arguably Fortnite came out this year because, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. Fortnite Battle Royale did come out late last year, but it yeah. exploded this year. It yeah. became mm-hmm. a force mm-hmm. this year. This was the year of Fortnite for better oh, or worse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's where they had all the season yeah. stuff, and they've changed the game a lot this year. It is ridiculously yeah. so. Yeah, they're on their seventh season. Yeah. It's... It's so crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's like the Real Housewives shows, man. They're like on seventh season in year two. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Not that I watch those. <laughs> Just saying. So I've heard. Well, yeah. I hope season seven of Fortnite's better than season seven of TNG. <laughs> oh, man. What? Because they killed it? <laughs> no, because Star Trek TNG had a really bad season seven. That was the no episode with me. Data, like, uh, hanging out with Freud and taking out the telephone and his, uh, oh, and cutting Troy cake. Oh, was that when they just went, like, we don't know what to do? Well, let's just throw Q in this no, episode. I, and no, then... it was much more, you had Brandon Braga being very, like, psychological, and then you had Rick Berman being like, oh, I have more straightforward action episodes. Mm. And you had some good ones, and you had a lot of bad ones. Alright. This is your unsolicited Star Trek minute. This is Cat's Game of the Year, Star Trek (laughs) The Next Generation, other than Season 7. I I would play the hell out of a new Star Trek The Next Generation game, just saying. Which, by the way, Outer Wilds, very excited. Firefly in Fallout terms, I'm in. Oh, man. Yeah, by Tim Kaine. That looks really cool to me. At that, too. Mm. Woo! Just imagining... He's still my heart. <laughs> just imagining Dead Cells reskinned as TNG with, like, Picard kicking down doors and stunning Romulans on the other side. Well, it would know. obviously be Riker because uh-huh. he has the beard and also because he wouldn't let Picard come down onto the planet. So Kat was asking questions earlier. I'd like to ask you all a question. Have you ever opened a door in Dead Cells? Like, actually opened it slowly? Sometimes. No, roll through that I rolled shit. it every single fucking time, dude. Yeah, I saw uh, GameSpot had like uh, 10 things we wish we'd known before playing. And it's like, I didn't realize <laughs> you can kick open the door from the collector. You don't have to give him all your souls. Oh. You can just breeze right past him if you don't, if there's some, yep. nothing that you want to unlock with him. Hmm. It's the yes, same and with where I'm at. He, he doesn't have shit. I've unlocked too much. It's the same with Red Dead. I always burst through doors because why not? Yeah, and people are like, whoa, what yeah, are you exactly. doing? And I'd be like, I'm just running into the shop. Bam! <laughs> I'm here to pay I'm off here my to letter. What of it? Every time it changes. So what if I came in the door shoulder first? <laughs> well, aren't you in a hurry? Yeah. <laughs> Discouraged oh, man, yes. my ass. I love that guy. What's which? Oh man, I'm forgetting his name too. He's the first one you yeah, meet. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's great. All right, that's been our. Games of the Year, and help us out. Tell us what's your personal Game of the Year. We'll touch on these after the new year. Let us know. Go to vidgamapocalypse.com. Answer under the comments for episode 296. Can I say this, though? Yes. I think this is one of the best years for games in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a while. Well, after 2017, we were like, how can you follow 2017? And 2018 yeah, yeah. did a great job. Mm-hmm. Our Absolutely. impression was 2017 was really top-heavy, and 2018 was really deep. Like, we yeah. went through the top ten on our list, and we're seeing games like Into the Breach mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, we put Spider-Man, like, number nine on our list. Yeah. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. But you look at the games above, and you're like, these are all really good yeah. games. Absolutely. I mean, how yeah. can I argue against these? 
Yeah, it's it's difficult to argue with anyone's top ten list as long as it, it contains certain entries. Uh, <laughs> as long as it's like, should... perfectly in line with mine, yes. give or take a few games. You can you can get the order differently, but it has to be the same games. <laughs> the time to be alive. Alternately, you can hit us up on the official Laser Time community on Facebook. Or hit us up on Twitter at VG Apocalypse and let us know your your top games of the year. So that's been our show. Cat, say again, where can people find you? You can find me on USG at usgamer.net. And you can also follow us, me on social media at the underscore catbot. Subscribe to my podcast, Acts of the Blood God. We're on Spotify and iTunes and all of that. We're in the midst of doing a top 25 RPG countdown. Uh, Matt's been on a couple of those episodes. Um, let's see, you did, which one were you? were on Morrowind. I did Morrowind. Yeah. Oh, yes, nice. and you yeah. are on our big Mass Effect panel. I was on the Mass Effect panel. Yeah, effects, yeah. yeah we had a really good time. So we are now in the top 10, and we just had a big debate about which one is better, Persona 4 or Persona 5, and which one deserves to be in the number 9 slots. And mm. it was a very. Well, I, I want to say it was a very polite argument, but also impassioned. Mm. So you should uh, totally check that out. Awesome. Well, well, one has a Smash character now, so there you go. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That tells yeah, you yeah. all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. What the what the hell? Okay, <laughs> I'm just pissed off that they couldn't get him to be a bass. Okay, you can't sing that yeah. song unless you're a bass or a That's deep true. baritone. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> no, I think it was great. <laughs> Grim Grinning Ghosts come out to social life. Same guy, but I'll allow it. It's Wait a uh, damn it. Thurl Ravenscroft. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was part of that song as well, my friend. Mm. It's Paul Freeze, my friend. Paul Freeze. Luke Von the- Drake. Bar- uh, Boris Badenov. Uh, he's amazing. And he's yes. in all the Christmas specials. He was also Here's- one of the four busts in that section. Are we really having a Haunted Mansion fight <laughs> yeah. right now? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Paul Freeze is too awesome to mistake him for somebody Paul Freeze else. was the narrator of Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Thurl Ravenscroft was one of the faces on the oh, animated statues. Sorry, sorry, I will fucking sorry. stab you with that statue, dude. <laughs> Listen to me. And he's a, yes, he's a bird in the Enchanted Tiki Room. Just anybody really care about video I was going to say cut all this out, but this is really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, if this is your first time listening to the show, I'm your host, Michael Raparas. <laughs>